following radio programs are original broadcasts. While enhancements have been made to the audio for clarity and listener enjoyment, no other edits or modifications have been made. The listener may hear advertisements and notices for tobacco products, alcohol, food, and or services that may no longer be available, nor are they endorsed by whose blind life is it anyway. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, old radio fans. This is Pepsi Mama welcoming you to another edition of the Afternoon Radio Theater Sunday, or ARTS as we call it for short. It's good to have you. I hope you'll enjoy the show. And today what I'm going to do is another big installment of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Trying to get this thing done. Yeah, I, I like the show really well, but it's just seems like it's just taking so long to get through it. But I'm um, doing ten more um, installments today. But before I do that, I want to um, tell you that there are several ways to listen to us. Um, you can subscribe to us on YouTube at Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? You can like us on Facebook at Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? Or you can um, follow us on Twitter at Blind Whose, B-L-I-N-D-W-H-O-S-E with the at signed in front of it. Um, if uh, you don't like any of those options, if you're into podcasts and uh, you have your favorite podcast player, uh, whatever it is, um, you can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, uh What's that other thing? Spotify, uh, QCast, anywhere you want to find us, you can find us. So, um, but if you want to email me with your suggestions and comments about the show, or if you want to make a request, you can, uh, contact me at afternoon radio theater sunday at gmail.com and that Sunday is like ice cream Sunday, S-U-N-D-A-E. So it's Afternoon Radio Theater Sunday, S-U-N-D-A-E at gmail.com. Um, along with me is my geek and partner, Victor Gouveia. Without him, this show could not run. He's in the background doing all the, getting all the, uh, wheels and cogs are running. So, uh, anyway, uh, you know, I feel like I've, I'm looking at my notes. I feel like I haven't told you something, <laughs> but maybe I'll think of it. Oh, uh, yeah. I was going to tell you, uh, we're trying to get it uh, to where you can 
just go directly to whatever podcast you want. I mean, you can subscribe to each show as its own podcast, but we haven't gotten there yet, so um, hopefully it won't be long. And uh, Or you can just continue to do like you've been doing and listening to the whole, you know, to all the podcasts on the Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway channel. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, and also... That's what I forgot to tell you. You can talk to Lady A. Um, for those of you who have one of those things. And tell her to play Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway. And she will start at the newest podcast. And go on until she runs out. But you can tell her next and previous and all that. And she'll go on. So, um, But... Hopefully soon we'll get to where we can do, you know, each individual podcast if you want to. Now that I have ran my mouth all this time, uh, it's time to get started with Dr. Jekyll. So here we go, folks. And I think you'll like my strawberry I've got for today. So... We now present George Edwards in Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. But, Daddy, you shouldn't have done it without consulting Henry or me. My dear, there was so little time. The wedding invitations were in the hands of the printer... I only just cancelled them in time. But how did you know that we wouldn't want to go on with the wedding? But surely... Oh, I know what you're going to say. Respect to Mr. Jekyll. What will people say and all the rest of it? We could have been married very quietly without any fuss, and no one would have thought any the worse of us. Well, my dear, you can still do that if you want to. But you're hoping we won't. Oh, Daddy, I wish you didn't feel the way you do about my marrying Henry. It... It makes me frightened somehow. In what way, dear? I know you're the best and dearest person in the world, and you'd do anything for my happiness. The fact that you're so opposed to Henry makes me wonder sometimes... Wonder what? If there may not be something against him after all. Margaret, dear, I feel that I'm playing false with the son of my dear old friend, Edward Jekyll, when I say these things against him. But a good father doesn't necessarily mean a good son. And there's something about Henry that has always filled me with uneasiness. Yes, but what? You never have anything definite. It's only a kind of instinct. I think it dates from a time when you were both children. Do you remember the time, one Christmas day, when you and he had a quarrel? It was over a doll, I think. You wanted to play with it, and he wanted you to go riding on his new sledge with him. Yes, I remember. I slipped or something and, and fell down some steps. That's a charitable way of putting it. In reality, he pushed you down. His father and I happened to be watching through a window, and we saw the whole thing. I also saw his face when he did it. What do you mean? The blow on your head has made you forget it, but I haven't. I remember all too well. But what? 
What do you remember? The look on his face. It wasn't the expression of a child. It was that of a fiend. Of what? Daddy, you can't be serious. Indeed, I am. And that night his father and I had a long talk about it. He told me then of certain misgivings he had about the boy. From that time on, I've dreaded to see the growing attachment that has developed between you. Because you saw him lose his temper. You know me better than to think I'd pay any attention to so small a thing as that. Well, what else then? There was a story about uh, something that happened while he was still at college. One of his friends, a boy named David Markham, got into some sort of disgrace. No one knows really what happened. But while Henry was in the room with him, it was a room high up in a tower, young Markham either threw himself or fell out of the window and was killed. Daddy, you're... you're not suggesting that Henry had anything to do with that. There was another boy there, son of a client of mine, who said that Henry had been particularly intimate with Markham and had actually been involved in the same escapade that got him expelled. There was no proof of it. And Henry, of course, went scot-free. What was the escapade? According to my client, something to do with two village girls. No, I'll not believe it. It isn't possible. My dear, I'd do anything to spare you this. But you've asked me why I oppose your marriage to Henry. These are my reasons. Well, suppose it is true. That was years ago. Henry might have been tempted. Who are we to judge him? But what about the rest of his life? Doesn't that make up for it? All the wonderful things he's done for sick people, his clinic, his work at the laboratory. You saw that article about him in the science magazine. He's not yet 30, and he's made some discoveries that'll transform modern medicine. For all I know, Margaret, dear, Henry may be a genius. But even a genius would not find forgiveness in my eyes if he caused you any harm. Harm? But how could he? Don't you understand that he loves me? but not enough to give up his association with a man whom I've reason to believe is evil enough to overcome all that is best in Henry Jekyll and reduce him to a level similar to his own. And that is lower than the beast. Who are you talking about? A man named Edward Hyde. Has he ever spoken to you about him? No, never. Who is he? I don't know. But before you marry Henry... I'm going to make it my business to find out. Henry. Oh, my poor darling. You don't know how good it is to see you, Margaret. Somehow, I was afraid you wouldn't be here. But why? Surely of all times now... When one has had the terrible, unexpected blow, one distrusts everything. But not me, surely. Not you, dear. But there might have been something else to keep you away from me. Nothing. There's nothing on this earth that could ever do that. As long as I feel you want me. I'll want you always. No matter what happens or where I am. Will you remember that, sweet... Keep on telling me. You don't know how I love to hear it. Is it true what Hugh Lanyon told me about your father putting off our wedding? He thought he was doing what you would wish, Henry. Not he. He was doing what he wished. Father's death gave him an utterly unhoped-for excuse. Henry, dear, you mustn't feel that way about him. He's given his consent. 
He told me that there's nothing to prevent us getting married quietly, even now, if we want to. And do you want to? Yes, if... if you want it that way. Never mind about me. How do you feel? Will you marry me now, right away? Or would you rather wait and have your wedding in a church? With bridesmaids and choral service and all the rest of the pomp and ceremony? Henry, darling, you know I don't care a bit for all that. No, but you hesitated. You said if I wanted it that way, don't you want to get married now? Can't we talk about it a little later on? You've just come from that long train journey and... No, I want to know just exactly how you feel. I wasn't wrong in feeling uneasy about you. There is something that's keeping you away from me. Darling, that's nonsense. Oh, no, it's not. I've got a peculiar instinct for these things. There's something at the back of your mind. I can sense it. And I'm never wrong. Now, tell me... Tell me what it is, Margaret. I'm not going to let you worry yourself over nothing. You look dreadfully tired and not a bit well. Did you sleep on the train? I've hardly slept for nights. Then you must get some rest now. After that, we'll talk. Do you think I'll be able to rest until I know? What's troubling you, Margaret? You've got to tell me. Please, dear. You're making a mountain out of a molehill. Ah, then there is a molehill. You said there was nothing. There is nothing. A pack of stories which I don't believe. What kind of stories? Oh, ridiculous nonsense about someone who, who fell out of a window when you were at school. What? Who told you that? Oh, never mind. It's not important. Not important? Margaret, I've got to know. But why? I told you I didn't believe it. Whoever told you is trying to turn you against me. What else did you hear? Nothing. Yes, there is something... Henry, why do you look like that? There's no need to get so angry. Isn't there? You think I should feel nothing about the person who's trying to take you away from me? But they haven't. Uh, yet there's just that shade of doubt that makes you hesitate about marrying me. The poison's beginning to work. How can you say such a thing? I don't care what anybody says about you. What have they been saying? It was your father, wasn't it? Yes, it was. I guessed it. And yet you say he's not trying to prevent our marriage. If he doesn't think you'll make me happy, can you blame him? No. No, I... I can't blame him. But I can hate him. Oh, don't talk that way. You're the two people I love best in all the world. Don't you know how unhappy it makes me feel when I know that you're hostile to each other? Poor little sweet. Unhappiness already, and not even married to me. He doesn't ask very much of you, Henry. What does he ask? Just, just that you should give up your friendship with this man, Hyde. Hyde? He told you of Hyde? Yes, he did. What did he say? He, he said he was lower than the beast. And evil enough to overcome all that is best in you and, and make you like himself. Did he tell you anything else about him? No. Nothing. Who is he, Henry? He's a man I, I've used to help me in some of my scientific experiments. There. I knew there was some perfectly good explanation. Will you be needing him much longer? That depends. On what? On you, Margaret. I don't understand. The day you marry me, my need of Hyde will cease. Oh, what a strange thing to say. 
What have I got to do with Hyde? Nothing. You're as far apart as the moon from the earth. And yet his fate lies in your hands. You have the power to exercise him to set his evil soul at rest forever. Or send it out into the world to ravage and despoil like the creature out of hell itself. Henry, you frighten me. You look so strange. And you're thinking once again that perhaps your father was right. How do I know unless I've seen this man? You have seen him. When? The night my mother died. Don't you remember? You... You mean that... That awful little man I saw out near your laboratory? Yes. That's the one. But Henry, he's horrible. Dreadful. How could you bear to have him near you? Oh, you'll have to send him away. He is evil. Think what happened just by having him there that night. Yes. Because of him, my mother died. Oh, don't say that. But it's the truth. Don't think the knowledge hasn't haunted me ever since. And now my father. Perhaps if it wasn't for Hyde, they'd both be alive today. Then send him away. Get rid of him before he does us any more harm. Oh, promise me you will. Then you'll marry me. The day you come and tell me that you'll send Hyde away forever, I'll marry you. Then we'll go back to London tomorrow. Have you had enough of Paris? More than enough. I too I want to get back to work, to the clinic, to the hospitals. It's only in work, good, hard, ceaseless work, that we can lose ourselves. And lose the Edward Hydes. And lose the Edward Hydes. You don't know how right you are, Margaret. The Edward Hydes in ourselves. Take your crutches away from you, and you're going to walk across the room to where Miss Utterson is standing. Now, are you ready, Margaret? Yes, quite ready. And here's the new doll you're going to get when you reach me, Flory. Dr. Jekyll, I can't. I can't get that far by myself. Oh, yes, you can. There's nothing the matter with you anymore. The operation and that holiday in the country has completely cured you. Now, come now. Give me those crutches. I'm sure I'm going to fall. Not a bit of it. Now, steady now. Take your time. First one foot, then the other. That's the way. Now, hang on to me until you get your balance. Good. Oh, that's splendid, Florrie. Come on. Just a little way across the room. Won't the other children be envious when they see your dolly? Just a few steps more now. That's the way. Bring your other foot forward. Now, I'm going to take away my arm. Now, I've fallen in. Well, what if you do? You can get up again. But you're not going to fall now. Get your balance. There now. Off you go on your own. Of course you did. I told you there was nothing wrong with you. Now come along, Margaret. Uh let her have a doll. She's earned it. 
Are you busy, Dr. Jekyll? No, nurse. What is it? There's a crowd of people outside wanting to see you. I think it's some sort of a deputation. Deputation? Whatever for? It's supposed to be a great surprise, but I think they've made a collection amongst themselves to buy you and Miss Margaret a wedding present. Well, I never. Oh, how lovely of them, Henry. Out of their poor little bits of saving. Uh, Are you ready, Margaret? Yes. I feel quite nervous. I'm an interloper here. It's, It's you they've come to pay tribute. Not a bit of it. They've come to know and to love you, too. Who is it that visits them and brings them things to eat? Who's been telling tales? Your good deeds have found you out. Now, come along. Let's go and face the ordeal together. Our first wedding present, Henry. And we'll never get another. That will mean so much to me. I got back to England yesterday. And where have you been all this time? You haven't written or sent us a word of any kind. Some of the places I got to were rather a long way from post offices, Margaret. Oh, then sit down and tell me all about it. Oh, you don't know how nice it is to see you. Really? Do you mean it? Of course I do. I've missed you terribly. Margaret. Only the other day I was saying to Henry that I'd miss your face at our wedding and... And now you'll be here. Ah, yes, but I didn't come back to be in time for your wedding. What did bring you back? Well, almost three months ago, a bag of mail did reach me where I was, away out in the wilds of Africa, and one of the letters told me that your wedding had been put off. I decided to come back to England right away. Why, John? You've got no need to ask me that. The wedding was only put off on account of Mr. Jekyll's death, and for no other reason at all, John. While there's life, there's hope. Have you never heard that? Yet two years ago, you suddenly set sail for the other side of nowhere. (laughs) The more fool me. I'd abandoned hope, but somehow, when I got that letter, I had a feeling that fate was giving me another chance, and I'd come back to find out. Oh, John, you mustn't. It's absolutely out of the question. Why, everything's arranged. It's only a little more than three weeks. When I see you coming down the aisle of the church as Henry's wife, I'll know it's time to give up hope. John... Why do you talk like that? Why do you think? Because I love you. John, dear, it hurts me to hear you say that. You pour out this precious thing at my feet and... And I... You don't even want it? No, it's not that. You know I feel proud and... And pleased that you should think me worthy, but... Oh, why couldn't you have given it to someone who would return your love? Give you what you so well deserve. Because, Margaret, darling, there's, there's no one who can give me what I want but you. Don't say that. You must put me out of your thoughts. Forget me. What do you think I've been trying to do all the time I've been away? There were thousands of miles between us. Yet I never forgot you for a day. It's very lovely of you, John. And if it wasn't for Henry... Yes, go on. It certainly would have been you. I don't wish him any harm, my dear. No, no, no. You mustn't say it. I shouldn't have said what I did. I don't know what's come over me. Mm, I don't know either. But I tell you, Margaret, my hopes have never been so high as they are at this moment. Stop it. If you say things like that, I'll have to send you away, not see you. Don't you trust yourself? I do, I do. But I mustn't even let myself 
think of the possibility of Henry not being here. Yet the thought is there. By heavens, Margaret, I was right when I decided to come home as fast as I could and have another try for you. You weren't. Don't you understand that I'm to be married in three weeks' time? Three weeks? <laughs> Anything might happen in that time. Ah, no, Margaret, you can't shake me off so easily this time. I want you more than anything in heaven or earth. And I'm going to try and get you by every means I can. is a sign of him from that day to this. And that's nearly four months ago now. So it is. But uh, aren't you rather pleased about that? I gathered you didn't like him very much. Oh, I didn't like him. I hated him. But at, at least he gave me money. Kept me in food. I see. But um, didn't he make any provision for you while he was away? Oh, he, he left me some money. But that's all gone. Then the tradespeople kept on letting me out things for a while, but now they're starting to turn nasty. And uh, you don't know what to do? No, I don't. You see, well, you know how it is with me. If I go out looking for work, someone's sure to start asking questions. Yes, yes, yes sir. I understand. Dr. Lennon, please don't think I'm... I'm trying to put anything over on you, but... But if if it ever came out that, that you and Henry was mixed up with me... Yes, yes, it, you don't need to remind me of that, Hetty. I sometimes break out in a cold sweat myself to think what might be the result if it got known that we'd helped you to escape that time. Yes, yeah, that's what I think about, too. So, well, something's got to be done, isn't it? yes. Certainly, something has got to be done. I, I haven't wanted to do it, but seeing as how I met you, I, I might as well be truthful with you. I was on my way to see Emily when I spotted you. Then I'm mighty glad you did see me. Yeah. I guess I wouldn't be too welcome turning up at his place. Well, it might make things a little awkward for him. He had, he, 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 he's going to be married very soon. Married? <laughs> Is he? Some girl in society, I suppose. Well, 
Someone he's known all his life. Known all his life? <laughs> all the same, I bet she don't know him like I do. You're very bitter against him, aren't you? Wouldn't you be? Yes. Perhaps I would. Well, I'll do something about all this, Hetty. You can count on me. I know I can. You're the only decent chap I think I ever struck in my old life. Do you know, you've never done a single rotten thing since I've known you. Well, if I'm the best you know, you must have been very unlucky, Hetty, old girl. Unlucky? <laughs> oh, well. I say things change every seven years. That perhaps I'm in for something good. It's just on seven years since I first met Henry. And I thought he was the most wonderful and marvellous thing that ever walked or breathed. How I loved him. I guess even the girl he's going to marry don't care for him as much as I did. Oh, look here, Hattie. You're not going to cry, are you? Oh, there's that point to that. Don't know what come over me. Don't often let myself stick a things like that. Guess I'm a little light in the head or something. Are you? When did you eat last? Uh, day before yesterday. Good Lord. Here, come over to this tea shop with me now and we'll soon pick that up. And, um, have some money for you. Thanks. That'll last you for a while and then either Henry or I will come down to where you live and make some arrangements for you to carry on. As long as it's not I'd. I don't think I could stand the sight of him again. Sometimes. I wake up in the middle of the night and I think I hear his footsteps in the room. He walks that night just like some animal and his eyes they sort of shine in the dark. I couldn't stand no more of him. Not at any time. Imagine how it will look on winter days. As soon as the door opens, you'll look into a great leaping fire. <laughs> a warm welcome, eh? Well, I imagine it'll be one of the pleasantest places in London. And with my pretty Margaret to add her smiles. All the arrangements for the wedding going well? Oh, yes, I think so. From my end, anyhow. Margaret's fussing around with bridesmaids' dresses and red carpets and all the rest of it, but I guess she'll manage it all in plenty of time. Are you busy? Uh, not for half an hour or so. I'm due at St. Giles at four o'clock, but... It doesn't take me long to get there. Something you wanted to see me about? Yes. I, um... I happened to meet Hetty yesterday. Hetty? Where? 
Uh, what was she doing? She was coming across Green Park. I gathered she was on her way to see you. What about? I suppose you know how things were between her and Edward Hyde. Yes. Yes, I knew. Well, it appears that he's gone away somewhere. She hasn't seen him for months. I know. Any idea where he is? Not the slightest. I haven't seen him. Nor am I likely to. Speaking personally, I'm infernally glad to hear you say that. I have never met the gentleman, but anyone who has seems to loathe the very sight of him, including Hetty. Yes, I rather imagine Hetty has particular reasons for hating him. What are we going to do about her, Henry? About her? We? <laughs> well, I guess she's my responsibility. Not altogether. I'm involved in the matter, too, don't forget. Anyhow, for all sorts of reasons, I think you'd better let me do what's necessary. You mean on account of uh, my getting married? Yes, it uh, wouldn't be too good if you got tangled up in anything just at present. You're a good chap, you. No one ever had a better friend than you. Oh, forget it. We went into all this years ago, the day we left the university. I don't forget it. Ever. Well, don't let's talk about it then. Dash it, old man, you're making me feel all hot and uncomfortable. I'll be coming out in a rash if you don't dry up. All right. And you'll let me deal with the matter of our little Hetty and make the best arrangements I can? No, I can't let you do that. Oh, but hang it all. You don't know the risk you're running. If all that... Oh, yes, 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 yes. I know all that. But our good friend Addison will never know anything about this. I'll go down to Hyde's house and see her tomorrow afternoon sometime. I think you're taking an unnecessary risk. Why? Addison doesn't know of the existence of Hyde's house? You didn't tell him anything about it, did you? Not a word. You gave me the address in strictest confidence. You know that. Yes, I do. And that's why I haven't any fear of the old man knowing that I've been there. Well, don't take any risks. Oh, I won't. Besides, I know a way to make perfectly certain that no one will ever suspect who I am. Even if they meet me face to face. What? You told me to say you're going to wear a false nose or something. Oh, no. I don't mean that. Oh, there you go, getting all mysterious again. The mysteries will soon be cleared up, Huey, my friend. This visit to Hetty will be one of the last of them. And after that, after that, a new life, a new happiness. Well, take my advice and watch your step. That old blighter still has hopes of getting rid of you. You mark my words. <laughs> starting to change colour when I was coming up from Kent last Monday. Oh, you still have your country house there. Oh, yes. I had never part of that. It means a great deal to be able to get away from the city every weekend. Oh, well, uh, here we are. Will you sit here? No, thank you. Uh, what will you have? Just tea? Um, tea and a muffin, I think. Yes, I'll have the same. Uh, will you see that mine is toasted very well, please, waitress? Yes, sir. Oh, now... What is it you wanted to see me about? Well, uh, a curious coincidence happened to me a while ago. 
Do you remember the time we were walking home together and saw that man Hyde attack the little girl? Hyde? It's not necessary to ask. Neither of us is likely to forget that night. But why do you ask? Uh, as an architect, I sometimes have to go into curious parts of London. A short while ago, a client of mine decided to acquire a row of houses and rebuild them as modern residences. Everything was going all right when we suddenly struck a snag. One man refused to sell. And who should this obstinate fellow be but Edward Hyde? What? He owns a house? Yes, not a bad house. Fairly good repair, but in about as bad a locality as one of his kind could wish for. Uh, where is it? You can give me the address? Oh, of course I can. That's what I come to see you about. I want you to try and see if you can you can persuade the fellow to sell. I don't know that I can do that, but I'm very glad to know where he lives. Very glad indeed. Oh, well, come then. Let's sit down muffins while they're hot and I'll tell you all I know about the business. to marry Henry Jekyll next month, isn't she? Yes, but what has that to do with you? <laughs> oh, nothing. Nothing at all. I used to know him once. That's all past history now, I guess. When did you know him? Oh, forget it. Henry, yes, so why should I bother? What did you come here for? I wanted to see Mr. Hyde. Can't understand that. I should think anyone would run a mile rather than see him. I've come on business. Well, I can't help you. He hasn't been here for almost two weeks. I never know when he's coming. He might be here any minute or, or he mightn't be here for a month. And you don't know where I can find him? No idea. He don't encourage questions, does Edward Hyde. Have you known him very long? Too long for my liking. Well, perhaps if I left a card, you'd give it to him and ask him to get in touch with me. Oh, I'll do that all right. He'll be back sooner or later. Just when I'm thinking he's gone for good, he always turns up. Worst luck. You don't sound as though you like this company very much. What, me? Huh. Well, hardly. Is he a relative of yours? He's not. He, uh, he pays me to look after this place. I see. No, you don't. You don't see anything. You're a gentleman. You can't imagine anyone like Edward Hyde. I thought I knew what men were like. But I had a lot to learn from him. Then why do you stay? I guess that's my business, isn't it? And I guess you'd better get out of here and mind your business, too. You don't like people coming here. And no more do I. Very well. I'll go. But don't forget, it was yourself who asked me to come in. I know. I... I... I just wanted to talk to you about... Henry and your daughter. Is she... Is she very pretty? Very. Don't mind my asking, will you? But, you see... I used to be very fond of Henry once, and I'm sort of interested, see? Where's the wedding to be? I'd like to see it. St. Martin's in the Fields, on the 25th of next month. Uh, but tell me, when did you know him? Oh, oh, years and years ago. Oh, 
He'd hardly remember me. I was just a bit of a kid. But uh, you said you were fond of him. So I was. Not that he ever knew it, though. <laughs> Imagine a fill into the great Elmer Jekyll if he'd realised that the little waitress in the tea shop at Walgrave Corner was shook on him. Walgrave Corner? Yes. That's the village near the college he went to, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Uh, this is of particular interest to me. I'd be glad if you'd tell me anything you can about uh, about the boys you knew in Walgrove Corner. Particularly Henry Jekyll, eh? Well, naturally, I'm interested in him. Because he's going to marry your daughter, eh? Well, there's nothing that I know about him that ought to make any difference to that. He never even knew I was alive. That's how much notice he took of me. I see. Uh, tell me, did you ever know a boy named David Markham? David Markham? Look at you. What's the strength of all this? What are you after, anyway? Why are you getting angry? Because I don't like the way you're quizzing me. And anyhow, I think you'd better go. If I'd come back and caught me talking to you, there'd be the devil to pay, and, and I'm the one that cop it. So get, do you? Go on, get. Oh, I right. think you'd better go. Well, not yet, uh, I see. Oh, oh, where did you come from? You were so engrossed in your conversation that neither of you heard me. <laughs> A most interesting subject. Very interesting. I'm glad I was able to listen to some of the things you said. You've been listening? <laughs> I have. And now, my dear, dear Mr. Utterson, if you will kindly sit down again, I'll tell you the things you so badly want to know about your prospective son-in-law. <laughs> There's nothing that I don't know about Henry Jekyll, nor he about me, because we're twin souls, you see. Twin souls. <laughs> wanted me to help you entertain him. I think I'll go. Yes, it might be just as well. Some of the things that Mr. Utterson and I will have to talk about will be rather of a confidential nature. All right. 
You phone me upstairs if you want me. And now, Mr. Utterson, perhaps you'll be good enough to tell me what it is that brought you down to my... my rather secluded residence? I came on behalf of my client, Mr. Randolph Winter. Ah, yes. The gentleman with the model housing scheme. I think I have given my reply in unmistakable terms to his proposals. I'll admit I was glad of an excuse to come down to your place. I wanted to see you. Good. Now we're getting somewhere. And the reason you wanted to see me was to try and ferret out what connection I had with Henry Jekyll. Wasn't that it? It was. You were wasting your time with Hetty. She knows no more about that than you do. Though the things she could have told you about Henry... <laughs> What do you mean? You want the full, unvarnished story of Henry Jekyll? Of course I do. Because you don't want him to marry your daughter, isn't that it? Never mind my reason. Isn't that it? Answer me! Yes, that's it, if you want to know. I want the truth. You want the truth from me? I demand it from you. Very well, then. I have never wanted my daughter to marry him. And if you put me in possession of sufficient evidence to make it impossible, I shall consider myself as being in your debt. <laughs> My debt? <laughs> oh, 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 oh. That's good, that is. <laughs> well, please, go on. This, this interview is painful, and I want to have done with it. First, we will finish with Hattie. As I was saying, he accidentally found her again. He was horrified to see what she'd become. And he took her away with him out of the place she worked in. He took her to the building at the back of his father's house. <laughs> he calls it his laboratory. What? He had a girl there? Oh, but only for a very brief time. Henry was entirely blameless on this occasion. Believing that the main house was deserted... He went into it to get food and clothes for his... his protege. It was about two o'clock in the morning, remember? And while he was groping his way in the dark, who should surprise him but his father? The old man had unexpectedly come up to London from his country house. Yes, yes, go on. Picture Henry's dilemma. There he was with Hetty waiting for him in the laboratory. And his father... Asking what he was doing, wandering round the house like a thief at such an hour of the night. Henry made some sort of an excuse and went off to bed. Leaving the girl to shift for herself? Precisely. Hetty thought that he played another trick on her, so she ran away. An hour or so later, she was fished up out of the Thames by the water police from where she'd attempted to commit suicide. I, uh, oh, you can't be serious. The girl that I've been talking to? The same. There's a lot more. But I won't go into details. Hetty was charged with vagrancy, sentenced to a term in prison, came out, became a professional thief, got a further prison sentence, and eventually arrived at her present situation, which is, uh... Companion to my lighter moments. And this... 
this trail of misery is the work of Henry Jekyll. You'd never believe it to hear the way she lied for him, would you? Strange, submissive creatures women are. Well, I... I can only repeat that I'm indebted to you for what you've told me. I often felt that there was something about Henry that none of us knew of. But I never suspected this. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's not all. Surely there's no more. Oh, yes, much more. You were asking Hetty about David Markham, the unfortunate young boy who fell from the window. That was Henry's doing, too. What? Yes. He didn't push him from the top of the tower, but it was he who led him to do the things that got him expelled. They had a quarrel up there, and Markham lost his balance. That's the explanation of the accident. I wonder no one ever suspected it. But he was little more than a schoolboy then. Oh, curious. Ah, uh, but curiously old for his age. Didn't you once make that very remark to his father? How do you know these things? I told you, Henry and I are twin souls. When you first said that, I thought you were joking. Uh, now you begin to think there may be some truth in it. And I'm not a very pleasant specimen for a man to claim affinity with, am I? At least you look what you are. And Henry, with his pale, fine face and sensitive manner, looks something of a saint. Two halves of a single whole, Mr. Rutherson. You're talking riddles. But that's unimportant. Unimportant? You never made a greater mistake in all your life. It's the most important, the most vital statement you've ever heard, if you only knew it. I'm afraid I can't stay to discuss metaphysics with you now, Mr. Hyde. What you told me has been such a shock that I'll ask you to excuse me. So that you can go and break the news to Margaret and postpone the wedding once again? Or it won't be mere postponement this time, will it? After what you have told me, she will marry that man only over my dead body. Ah, that's precisely what she's going to do. She's going to marry him over your dead body. Well, what's the matter with you? Have you suddenly gone mad? Why have you shut the door? So that I can lock it. There. Now it's done. We're shut in here alone. Just you and I. Let me out. What sort of madness is this? I told you too much knowledge of a certain kind is dangerous, didn't I? Oh, no. You needn't go casting wild looks at the windows. The shutters are barred on the outside. I demand that you open that door and let me go. I've been waiting for this moment far too long. I've thought of it for years. I began to hate you, I think, when I was still a child. I hated the way you looked at me. Curiously, as though I was some sort of specimen impaled on a pin. You were wondering then what manner of creature I was. What are you talking about? When did I ever see you before the night you struck the child down in the street? And then when I heard you give your reasons why Margaret shouldn't marry me... Marry you? In heaven's name, what are you raving about? Haven't you realized? Don't you see who I am? I know that you're a maniac. But you don't know that I am Henry Jekyll. You're what? Henry Jekyll. 
look at me like that. I know you're telling yourself that insane people are subject to delusions, but I am not insane. And then if you're not, stop this hideous fooling and let me out. I can see now I was a fool to believe anything you said. The whole thing is a pack of lies from beginning to end. And you're willing to regard it as such and do nothing to stop your daughter's wedding? I'll make inquiries, and if I find there's no truth in what you say... <laughs> You'll make no inquiries, my friend, because you're never going out of this room alive. I'm never going out of this room? No. Since I've found the way to protect myself into the form of Edward Hyde, I've done many nameless things, but I've never yet committed murder. I wanted to. I've wondered how it felt. And now I'm going to find out. Stop this infernal nonsense. Open the door. I decided it should be you some time ago. I never thought you'd play so neatly into my hands as you've done by coming here. Let me out. I wondered when the opportunity would present itself. Stop following me about the room. Stop it, I say. Uh, you've knocked over one of the chairs. Are you frightened? Why should a man who's lived the blameless life that you have be afraid to meet his maker? Hide. Stop this. I've done nothing to you. Haven't you? If you hadn't kept Margaret away from me, Edward Hyde would have ceased to exist long ago. She would have made all the difference. Look on your work, O oh righteous man, and see what you've called forth out of the darkness of a human soul. You foul obscenity. Take my daughter's name off your lips. Your daughter is mine. Mine, I tell you. She's belonged to me ever since we were children. And it's you who have kept us apart. You won't do so anymore. I'll wipe out the existence as I'd smash any other barrier that stood between us. I'm not a young man, but I can still fight. If you won't let me out of this room of your own accord, by heaven, I'll lay you out and get the key that way. Ah, that's better. That's better. Now we've got some hate on both sides. I should say there was. From the first moment I saw you, I had an overwhelming desire to strangle you. You were the foulest, vilest, most repulsive creature I'd ever set my eyes on. The world will be a better place to be rid of you. And God willing, I shall do it. <laughs> you will! <laughs>
شریف شریف نوبری شامه نو فر چینج و ترانسفرمیشن این ده هنری جیکل این شو گوربای ده های فر او تایم یش یش دات شکل در سیمیز ورک میکس هم امپاسبل هایج از نو امردر در گالوز ورک فرم در گالوز What was it that old woman said so long ago? Oh, what does it matter? She was wrong. She never dreamt of such an alibi as mine. In another few minutes, I'll be the quiet, scholarly doctor, <laughs> trimming the midnight lamp in his study, and Edward Hyde will have passed away like the stain of breath upon a mirror. <laughs> and here's the draft. The last I'll ever drink... Look at your reflection in the mirror. Fill your eyes with the sight of the creature of your own conjuring. He served you well. What crimes, what horrible delights he's known. And now the supreme experience of murder. <laughs> to kill, to crush, <laughs> to grind beneath one's heel. <laughs> Madness, ecstasy, the power to take away another's life. <laughs> That's to be a god. Edward Hyde. I pledge you, the only creature who has ever walked this earth and been pure, unalloyed, evil. <laughs> and now... I might hate him. I'll go to his place. I'll find it isn't true. What's this? Why? It's blood. There's blood on my hands. On my clothes. My boots. Heaven pity me. <laughs> it must be true. <laughs> evening while the old man was talking to me. As soon as he saw him, I think he made up his mind to kill him. 
I saw the look on his face. Come along. He mightn't be dead. Oh, yes, he is. I can tell you that. Then he must get the police. The police? Oh, Lord, I forgot about you. Well, I guess it's all up with me. Well, I won't put you away if I can help it. It's all up with both of us, Hetty. And Henry, too. Everything is going to come out now. What will that mean to you? Quite a bit of bother, I suppose. Oh, well, never mind about that now. Compared to what's happened tonight, that seems nothing. Oh, but it is. It might be the end of you and Henry, mightn't it? The end of quite a few things, I'm afraid. But but if I don't tell, they'll never know. Hetty, my dear, by the time the police have finished questioning us, there'll be nothing that they don't know. But, but suppose I'm not there for them to question. There's not a corner deep enough or dark enough in the whole of England for you to hide him. Oh, yes, there is. I know one. Then you'd better get into it right away. Because this murder will raise a hue and cry that'll ring from one end of the country to the other. Poor darling, what can I do for you? Find me the fiend who killed him. You'll be found, never fear. The police have got a perfect description of him. Yes, but where is he? No one has seen him since he disappeared out of the house. He'll never get away. There's not a train or boat in England that isn't being watched. And the whole country's being combed for him. He can't hide himself for long. He's too hideous, too unmistakable. John, John, I can't believe it's true. Why should he want to do it? Daddy hadn't even seen him. He went down to that house to try and get him to sell it to someone. What made him do it? Hush, darling. Don't think of those things. I can't stop thinking. Oh, if only my brain would stop. You need a sedative. Haven't you had a doctor? Yes. Hugh Lanyon came along a while ago. He wrote me out a prescription. What about Henry? Hasn't he been? Why isn't he here with you now? Henry's ill. Very ill. He came along this morning, but he had to go away. You? What's the matter with him? I don't know, but he looked terrible. He just sat with his head in his hands and and shook from head to foot. Was he so devoted to your father? No, not really. But there are things about Henry that, that make him different from other people. I never realized it so much as today. He, he looked just like death. Why should he look like death? It's your father who is being killed. Why isn't he with you? Doesn't he realize that you need him as never before? Please, John. I'm sorry, dear, but I just can't understand him. Forgive me if I've hurt you. You haven't. Then may I stay with you, or would you rather I went? I'd like you to stay. I... I can't bear to be alone. I keep seeing awful pictures and hearing sounds. darling. Here, let me sit beside you. Forget who I am. Just feel that I'm someone who loves you and wants to help. Who'd do anything on earth to comfort you. And you do. I'm so glad of you, John. I never felt so 
terribly alone in all my life. You'll never be alone. Not as long as I'm alive to be with you, darling. And mother and father are coming up to London tonight. They want you to come back to Devon here with them and, and stay just as long as you like. Perhaps I will, John. I, I don't know what I'll do just yet. Everything's so confused. So terribly unreal. I can't believe that it's true that I'll never see him again. Oh, Daddy. My dearest, dearest Daddy. How could I go on without you? What's the matter with you? I'm feeling rather under the weather. Come in. You say you do. You look as though you want to be in bed. This this dreadful business has shocked me terribly. Terribly. Shocked me terribly. I should rather say it has. Apart from everything else, do you realize that our share in his evasion of the police is bound to come out? Yes, I've thought of that. In the past few hours, I, I've thought of everything. And I can honestly say that hell need have no fears for me after this. Say, that's going a bit to extremes. Hetty swears she'll tell them nothing. He's a good little thing, you know. Despite all she says, I believe she's really fond of you. Oh, please, please don't. My whole life has been passing in front of my eyes while I've been sitting here. And the part concerned with Hetty is one of the things I've found hardest to look at. Well, we're both of us in danger of getting into a pretty mess. She's the only one who can help us to keep out of it. She stays quiet. No one on earth is going to suspect that we've ever had anything to do with her. I wish as much could be said about your association with Hyde. Don't have any fears about Hyde. He'll never be seen again, that I can promise you. Henry, you're not mad enough to be hiding him. Hugh, I swear to God I never set eyes on him again. I give you my word of honor that I've done with him. It's all at an end. Can you get rid of him so easily? I told you once before it was in my power to dismiss him at any time I liked. I assure you I've done so. Look, there's, there's one thing I've always wanted to ask you. Don't think I'm poking my nose into your private affairs. No, go ahead. Felt that will you made, leaving your money to Hyde in case of your death or disappearance. Well, what about it? It was Hyde who dictated those terms, particularly the disappearance clause, wasn't it? Yes, it was. I knew it. He meant to murder you, Henry. You've had a lucky escape, if you ask me, though it took poor Addison's death to do it. I've had more than that. I've had a lesson. Oh, what a lesson I've had. Look here, you want a pretty stiff pick-me-up. What drug have you got in these cupboards of yours? Better let me fix you up something. Oh, thank heaven, what's that? Dr. Jekyll. Dr. Jekyll. Yes, what's the matter, Pooh? There's two men from the police here wishing to see you, sir. The police? Yes, what shall I tell them, sir? Where are they? They're here with me now. Well, what do you want? Well, we're sorry to trouble you, sir, but we were told Dr. Hugh Lanyon is here. Well, that's right. I'm Dr. Lanyon. Well, we'd like you to come along with us, doctor, and identify the body of a young woman. A, a young woman? Who is she? Name of Eddie Wilson, sir. She committed suicide about half an hour ago. <laughs>
committed suicide. Where? At the place where she was living. She'd been told to come along to police headquarters to answer some questions. Went upstairs to put on her hat. She didn't come down. When we went up, she'd done herself in. A razor done the trick. Good Lord. Oh, 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 what's the matter? He's fainted. Give me some brandy, Paul. It's on the table over there. Did he happen to know the young woman? I, I don't know. I don't think so. This whole business has upset him pretty badly. He wants to have been married to Mr. Addison's daughter in a couple of weeks' time. Yes, I suppose she won't feel much like getting married now. I tell you, sir, in all my experience, I've never seen a nastier job than that one. Hardly a bone left hold in his body. Yes. Yes, I know. Respectable old gentleman, too. I wonder what he was doing in a place like that. He's gone down there to try and buy the house on behalf of a client, I understand. You don't say. That man Hyde must be a devil and no mistake. What did he want to kick him to death for if that was all he had against him? Oh, uh, feeling better, old man. Uh, take a little more of this and lie still. <laughs> gave us quite a turn, sir, going off like that. I, I really... I'm, well, I'm ashamed of myself. I can't think what came over me. You need a holiday. That's what's the matter with you. You've been stuck away in this place day and night. Blessed if I can think what keeps you here. Mm, Queer-looking place, if you'll excuse me for saying so, sir. What's uh, all them big glass jars and long, twisted bits of pattern? Uh, they were taught for chemical experiments. Oh. Uh, Dr. Jekyll, the well-known scientist. Oh, I see. Feeling better, sir? Yes, thanks, Poole. Uh, I'll be all right now. Better let me get you something to eat, sir. You've hardly touched a bit since yesterday. Oh, that's a good idea. We'll all go back to the house and shut this place up. It's enough to get on one's nerves without anything else. You all go ahead. I, I have something I want to do. I, I won't be long. Well, can't I do it for you? No, oh no. But please go, all of you. I'm really better now. I, I can manage for myself. Uh, get them something to eat, pool. Something hot and strong. I feel I, I need it rather badly. Yes, sir. Uh, I'll go right away, sir. That's a healthier sound, old man. I can see I'll have to take you in hand. Come along, officer. Yes, we'll go across. Don't be careful, won't be long. Hetty. David Markham. My mother. And my father. Utterson. And now, Hetty. Oh, God. <laughs> God forgive me. This is the trail of hide, misery and ruin, sorrow and disgrace and murder. I have done this. I alone. Oh, let me wipe him from my existence. Let me make certain that never, never can this hideous monstrosity that walks in the guise of man pursue his frightful course again. To destroy the secret teacher that is necessary to transform me into. There. It spills across the floor like blood. Like human blood. Oh, that I could get that vision of the old man's blood out of my mind. And now, I'll go and lock that outer door. I'll lock it, going to key under my heel, so that never again can I pass through. That was the door to my infamies. Let it be closed forever. And then perhaps in time, I'll cease to be afraid. I'll learn to live as other men. Not in this hell of fear, but he'll return. Oh, God. God. 
everything on me, God. What am I going to do to redeem myself in your eyes and in the eyes of men? out in the garden. Uh, would you care to go out this way? Yes, I will. I brought these flowers for him. They looked so pretty in the shop window. I thought they might make him feel better. I think the sight of you, miss, will do more than any flowers. That's nice, Sophie Poole. But I'm afraid I'm not very cheerful company these days. We were talking about you in the servants' hall only this morning. Uh, if you'll excuse us for taking the liberty, miss. Uh, and we were saying... But it was nothing short of wonderful the way you've brought up through it all. I've had kind friends to help me, Pooh. As if, as if the one thing wasn't enough without poor Mr. Henry getting took so bad. Dr. Daniel was saying that if it hadn't been for you and the way you stayed with him and looked after him, he doesn't think he'd ever have come round the way he has. How did he seem this morning? Oh, a good deal brighter. Ask me what was in the papers, if you please. Really? Well, that is a good sign. It's the first sign of interest he's shown for weeks. I think you'll find him a good deal brighter in lots of ways when you see him. Then I'll go out right away. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate all you've done for me. It's been a pleasure, miss. A real pleasure. I came over the lawn. No, don't get up. Let me sit here beside you. Ah, it's time I gave up these invalid ways. I'm really quite strong again. See? I don't need a stick anymore. Oh, that's fine. Will you go for a little walk? It's just lovely in the sun today. <sighs> Give me your arm. I'll see just how far I can go. I'll bet I can manage to the end of the square. Oh, don't be too ambitious. I don't want to have you going back to bed again. Oh, I promise you I won't do that. The weakness is passing now. I'm starting to think clearly again. I could even remember some formulas quite easily last night. Oh, please don't overdo it, dear. You've got to get really strong before you even speak of work again. How are things going down at the clinic? Have you been down there recently? Yes, yesterday afternoon. Nurse Peterson here doing a wonderful job. Oh, now, don't tell me they don't miss me at all. That would be too much to put up with. <laughs> Never fear about that. I was besieged with people asking how you were. It'll be a great day down there when you're well enough to come back to them. Do you really mean that, Margaret? Of course I do. Why do you ask? I just want you to repeat it. It comforts me somehow to feel that I've done some good in the world. You? Why, whatever are you talking about? There's no other person I know who'd given so much of himself to others. Your whole breakdown was due to overwork. And now, I'm beginning to long to get back to it. Oh, but you mustn't. You've got to rest for a long time yet. Henry, 
Why can't we get married quietly and go away together so that I can look after you? Please. Oh, yes, yes, I know you've been through all this before, but you don't convince me. The fact that you've had a bad breakdown doesn't mean that things have changed between us. I've got to be certain that was the reason for it. These things may have deeper causes than we know. What do you mean? I can only put it in one way. If someone came to me and said a man had had the kind of nervous collapse that I had had, and that he was going to get married immediately after it, I would say that he had no right to do so. Henry, you're not serious. Oh, Margaret, darling, surely you must realize that these things don't happen by accident. Oh, what are you hinting at? Don't just talk of things like that. You wouldn't if you were well and well. All right. All right. Let's enjoy the sunshine and each other's company. You've spoiled everything. Why did you want to say those things? I'm sorry, sweet. I'm sorry. But they're in my mind. In my mind always. It can't be that you're afraid there may be some sort of... Well... I can't say yet. It's too early to tell. Oh, no. No, not you, Henry. Not you, of all people. I don't have it. It isn't possible. Yes, darling, please don't. Oh, what a fool I am. Now, come. Now, we'll say no more about it now. Perhaps you're right. And these things are only the stupid fancies of a sick man. You've been talking to Margaret. Poor girl came to me in a terrible state this afternoon. What did she say to you? Did you have some fantastic idea that this illness of yours might have some other cause than overwork? And mightn't it? Oh, might. But it would take a lot to convince me there was anything wrong with you. Why? Do I have to answer that? <laughs> you know yourself better than I do. And that's the answer here, old friend. I know myself better than you do. Than anybody else in existence does. And that's why I feel I have no right to marry Margaret Addison. What? You're not serious. Never more so in my life. You'll break her heart. I can't tell you any more than what I say now. But I tell you, Hugh, that I have forfeited all right to marry Margaret. Or any other woman I shall ever meet. Now, don't ask me why. It's the truth. And it is the knowledge of that that has made me what I am. A man old before his time. Broken in health. And my hair, my hair turned white before I'm 30 years of age.
you told Margaret this? I said something about it this afternoon. No wonder the poor girl was upset. You shouldn't have done it, you know. It, it isn't fair to her. Was ever a man in such a predicament as I am? What am I to do? She wants me to marry her right away so that we can go away together and she can nurse me back to health. Mm, sounds a jolly good idea to me. Oh, how can you as a medical man say that? Heaven only knows what this... What this... This illness of mine might mean. You're not getting the idea that you maybe not sound mentally. Precisely what I do mean. Oh, rot. Anyway, I'm not taking the risk. I'll have to be very certain before I go any further. All right, old chap. If you feel that way about it, there's nothing I can do. But I think you're causing unnecessary unhappiness to a woman who's already had more than she can stand. Don't think that I'm not aware of it. I know what she's done for me in the last few weeks. You were unconscious a lot of the time. You couldn't have known the way she watched over you. All the same, I think I did know. I was wandering through the darkest pits of Hades. It was the feel of her little hand in mine that... that brought me back again. Don't let go. You're not so firmly on the road to help yet, you know. You've no need to tell me that. The slightest exertion or strain simply wears me out. Oh, by the way, they were asking me when I thought you'd be fit to answer some questions. They? Who do you mean? Um, the police. Police. What do they want? They have never found the slightest trace of Hyde since the night he disappeared from the house in Soho. I have held them off as long as I can, but they're just frantic to interview you. But what are I to do with it? You knew him. They think you might be able to tell them something about his habits, where he went, what he did. But I've never seen him either. Surely you told them that. Of course I did. But they want you to tell them all you knew of him before he disappeared. Oh, don't look so upset, old fellow. I've told them that you're not to be bothered too much. I'm not upset. I'll tell them all they want to know. But I don't think it'll help them much. Well, they've got so little to go on, they're bound to seize on every scrap of information they can get seems to have been a complete mystery man. Lots of people have seen him, but hardly anyone knew anything about him. Poor little Hetty was the only one who was ever inside that house besides myself and Atherson. They'll never find him, no matter where they look. What makes you so sure? I've had a letter from him. A letter? Written since the murder? Yes. I said nothing about it because I wasn't sure if I should show it to the police or not. What does it say? Oh, a lot of unnecessary things about past generosities I'd shown him. And that I had no fear to worry about his safety because he had a means of escape which he knew was infallible. It hadn't any postmark, I suppose? None at all. It was delivered by hand. I've got it here in this desk if you'd like to have a look at it. You bet I would. you are. Tell me if you think I ought to hand it over. What curious handwriting. Yes, he's left-handed. When did this come? Not while you were ill, surely. No, uh, about two days ago. Then he's still in London. The fellow must be mad. He's such a horrible-looking creature. He's bound to be recognized at once. Well, I guess he knows what he's up to. If he says he has a safe hiding place, isn't that enough? Oh, sure, sure. Well, let's forget the gentleman... Even the mention of his name seems to upset you. But what shall I do with the letter? 
If you like, I'll take it along to police headquarters. I think you'd be foolish to keep it from them. All right. Do as you think best. And tell them they can come along and see me when they like. I'll give what help I can. Good. I'll call in there on my way home. Oh, don't get up. Paul let me out. Hugh, uh, I'd like you to be here when they come. You mean the police? <laughs> of course I will. I'm your medical advisor. And you can rely on me to see they don't take too much out of you. Now, don't let it worry you. You needn't say a word more than you want. All right, I'll claim privilege as soon as the questions get too hot to be comfortable. By the way, we owe a lot to little Hetty, you know. Do you think I don't know that? We both of us have been out of the BMA by now, if she had told what she knew. I went out to her grave on Sunday. It was covered with flowers. Was it? If you sent them, Henry, make quite certain there's nothing to show who they came from. You can't afford to be connected with her in any way. I'll make sure. Goodbye. Goodbye. Your master's getting on splendidly, isn't he? Indeed he is, Dr. Lanyon, sir. Getting his appetite back and more as usual, so... Oh, by the way, um, there was a letter handed in for him during the last two days. What was the messenger like? A letter, sir? Yes. I have it here. No letter like that was handed in that I know of, Dr. Lanyon. Are you sure? Quite sure, sir. Nothing has come except by post, and only circulars of that. Could anybody else have taken it in? No, sir. Maud the parlourmaid is away sick, and I've been answering the door myself. Oh, well, must be some mistake. Goodbye, Paul. Goodbye, Dr. Lanyon, sir. <laughs> Hello, you, my boy. Very nice of you to come along and visit an old man. Sit down and help me sample this bottle of wine. It looks a fine and venerable one, sir. Oh, it is indeed. I was going through the cellar a while ago and found three of these bottles tucked away in a corner where they'd been forgotten. <laughs> Look at the date, 1817. Older than I am. By Jove, I'm in luck's way. Fancy dropping in at a time like this. Mm. You never could be sure how the cork is held, though. Wait till I draw it. Oh! Sound of the bell. They did things properly in those days, eh? None of your cheap, careless work then. Pop you those glasses. There you are now. Taste the kind of wine your grandfather's vintage. <laughs> Marvelous, you mark the bouquet. There's the hot glow of autumn afternoons and the perfume of the south and that. A royal wine. Ah. Now, you sit down by the fire and tell me what brought you here. Well, Mr. Winter, I want your advice 
some help about something. Oh, I'd be glad to help you in any way I can. You know that. Yes, I do. And I also had to have someone whose discretion I could rely on absolutely. It's a very peculiar matter. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, then. Well, let's uh, about this letter. Edward Hyde. A letter from Edward Hyde? Where did you get this? I got it from Henry Jackal this afternoon. Yes, yes, I see it addressed to him, but it's dated the 25th, and that's the day before yesterday. Where did it come from? Henry says it has no postmark. As a matter of fact, it was delivered by hand. The man's in London. Yes, he must be. Have the police seen this? Not yet. I intend to take it to them tomorrow. Oh, you must. This is tremendously important. He's disappeared so completely that they've been afraid he's got away out of the country. But you can see he seems perfectly confident of being able to evade them. Oh, we'll see about that. He's got to show his face sometime or another, and such a hideous creature as he is would be recognized at once. You saw him, didn't you? Indeed I did. When I was with my poor old friend Utterson, we saw him trample a little child underfoot and beat it with his stick. Little did we dream that he was to do the same to Utterson, only this time with no one to stop him. You're an authority on handwriting, Mr. Winter, aren't you? Oh, yes, it's been a hobby of mine. What do you think of Hyde's? Hmm, curious hand, angular, untidy. Have you ever seen another like it? Not that I can think of offhand. Compare it with this. Let me see now. Yes. Yes, that's very strange. Where did you get the second note? I've had it in my possession some time. Do you know who the writer is? I know him very well. Then you must tell the police his name at once. Why? Because the man who wrote this torn scrap you've just given me and the one who signs himself Edward Hyde are one and the same person. I rather expected you to say that. But, but why are you so calm? Don't you recognize the importance of this? The first letter is written in an obviously disguised hand. If it really is by Edward Hyde... Then I've only got to take the police to the man who wrote the second note, and we've got our murderer. We've got someone who's been willing to forge for him? Yes. You're right. The thought of that's been weighing like a load on me ever since I saw the resemblance. But... But why should you shield him? Anyone who would try to help a beast like Hyde deserves the worst that can be thought of him. You don't know what you're saying. But why? Who is he? Who wrote this second note? Henry Jekyll. What? Henry Jekyll? Yes. Now you'll know why I feel as I do. But Henry Jekyll forged for a murderer? Oh, it's all a part of his illness. He had the most frightful delusions when he was unconscious. Times used to think that he was committing the murder himself. Mercy on us. Yes. He was saying to me today that he felt he had no right to marry Margaret because he had some doubts as to his mental stability. And to tell the truth, I'm beginning to wonder myself. Poor chap. Oh, this is terrible. So I... I don't think we'll say anything about the matter. I think you're right. Come, I'll throw it in the fire, and then we'll we'll have another glass of wine. I 
I've got a kind of chill in my blood. Poor Henry. Poor Margaret. with him about, oh, five years ago. Hmm. Uh, how did you meet him? Well, he read about some of my experiments in a medical journal. He came here and made himself known to me. Why was that? Was he a medical man? Oh, no. Far from it. But he was very interested. He had a lot of knowledge for a layman. And you were so impressed with him uh, that you let him help you at times? Uh, yes, that's right. Uh, what was he interested in particularly? Well, for a very long time, I've been searching for a drug that would have a certain effect on the will. He used to let me experiment on him. Oh, how do you mean? Well, he used to take doses of the mixtures I'd compound and allow me to watch the results. Oh, rather dangerous, wasn't it? Uh, very dangerous. I warned him that he did it absolutely at his own risk, uh, I've got papers in my laboratory in which he made a full statement that he knew what he was doing and that I was in no way to be held responsible for anything that might happen. Well, he must have had plenty of nerve. Mm, well, he certainly had that. And what was the result of these experiments? Uh, did uh, any of them come off? None. We met with total failure. Uh, at the time of his, uh, his disappearance... We were starting on a new line, but hadn't really gone far enough to find anything fresh. How often did you see him? Oh, that's hard to say. Sometimes he'd be here pretty constantly, and sometimes he'd disappear for weeks. And you say you have no idea where he went? None at all. He hated to be questioned, and so I didn't ask. Uh, of course, my interest in him was purely scientific. And what about this girl, this uh, Hetty Wilson? Did he ever speak to you about her? Never. I didn't even know of her existence until a few weeks before she died. And how did you hear about her then? When my father died, I was away on the continent. I hadn't left any address, and uh, Dr. Lanyon went down to Hyde's house to see if he knew where I could be found. Uh, he met Hetty Wilson then, and... Uh, told me about her later on. I see. And how did it happen that Dr. Lanyon knew Hyde's address? Well, we were old friends. Uh, he knows all I do. Uh, I told him about Hyde and the work we were doing together. Hmm. Well, that seems reasonable enough. Look here, Inspector. 
What are you driving at? Why shouldn't I know where Hyde lived? Oh, no reason at all, Dr. Lanyon. But so very few people did. I was naturally curious. I see. Well, are there any other questions, Inspector? Uh, did he never tell you anything about his private life? Uh, where he got his money from? Or where he went to when you didn't see him? Well, I've told you, uh, my interest was scientific. I didn't like him. I, I didn't want to know how he lived or what he did. He was useful to me and gave me a lot of help. But he had the run of your house and used to be here at all sorts of times. Uh, once he slept in your bed. What's that? Who told you that? Uh, one of your servants. A maid who was dismissed for trying to see into your laboratory. That girl. Yes. She told me that she'd gone into your room with your early morning tea and was horrified to see Hyde lying in your bed. And what if he was? The man risked his life again and again for the sake of my experiments. We often work late into the night. Mm, yes, that's quite understandable. Uh... All I'm trying to get at, sir, is this. That you were on pretty close terms with him. But I repeat that I know nothing about his private life. Nothing at all. Well, if that's the case, I'm afraid I'm not much further on than before. I'm sorry to have troubled you, Doctor. Oh, that's quite all right. I'm sorry to have been so little help. Yes, it's a bit of a blow to me. I'd counted rather a lot on what you could tell me. You're the only one who seems to have ever had anything to do with him, except that girl, Hetty. I'd give a lot to know just why she killed herself. Shielding someone, I'll be bound. And uh, you've no idea who it might be? Not a notion. If I had, I might be able to track down Hyde. Well, I'll not stop till I do. The man's a maniac. He's bound to break out again unless he's caught. His kind don't stop at one murder. Uh, why, Henry, Dr. Jekyll, what's the matter? It's all right. Just leave me alone with him. He, he's not well, you know. He'll be all right in a little while. Oh, I'm awfully sorry. Indeed I am. He'll be all right. Just leave me. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, I'll get in touch with you later on. Uh, goodbye. Goodbye. Now, take this, old man. I... I'm all right. Now, don't try to get up. Just take things easily. What was it? One of the dizzy turns? Just a kind of blackness that comes over me at times. Well, keep still and don't worry. Our friend has gone and I don't think he'll be troubling you again. <laughs> you were a great disappointment to him. Yes. I hoped I was. certainly have. Does Dr. Lanyon know you're here? Not that I know of. Is he here? Yes, he's with the outpatients now. Then uh, bring me a gown. I'll put it on and give him a hand. Uh, we might as well give him a shock, too. Uh, Why, Dr. Hat. Jekyll? Oh, what's the matter? Oh, uh, oh yes. Uh, my hair. How do you like it? it? It's as white as snow. Oh, you must have been ill. Oh, well... It's all over now. I'm going to start work again and 
We'll soon forget all about it. Yes, I, I'm awfully glad to see you back again. Why didn't you come and see me while I was ill? You had plenty of others to look after you. Didn't you think I might have wanted to see you and hear about your clinic? Hear about the clinic, maybe. But I don't flatter myself you wanted to see me. Why not? Oh, I did call once or twice, but they always told me that Miss Utterson was with you. I see. Surely that old jealousy doesn't exist anymore. What makes you think that? Does it alter how I feel for you? Just because I know I haven't got a hope? Help me on with my gown, will you? Well, been kept pretty busy. Oh, not more than usual. I think some of the patients have dropped off since you've been away. Well, perhaps I'd better keep away altogether and they might all get well. Oh, when you've seen the number in the outpatient's room, you won't think that. Well, come along then. Let's get going. is shorter than the other doctor. We've heard wonderful things about you and we wondered if you could do anything for it. Uh, let me have a look at it. <sighs> now, don't be frightened. I won't hurt. I just want to take your boots and stockings off so that I could have a good look. Now, tell me, uh, what's your name? Tessie, sir. Tessie? Hmm. That's a pretty name. How old are you? I'm nine, sir. Nine? Do you go to school? Yes, sir. I'm in fourth class. Well, fourth class. Fancy that. That's pretty good for nine years old. Now, come along. Can you stand up over there and uh, let me see how you walk? Do as the doctor tells you, Tess. Yes, mother. Uh, did she have some sort of accident? That looks like the result of an injury to me. Oh, yes, she did about two years ago. Oh, I see. Why, what happened? Oh, it was a terrible thing, Doctor. The poor little thing was running along the street one time late at night. She'd been for a doctor, and you'll hardly believe this, sir, but a fella took to her with a stick. Peter, something terribly did. And if it hadn't been for two other gentlemen who was near, I think he would have killed her. What? What happened? Did you... Did you hand him over to the police? No. He paid us a hundred pounds to say nothing. But I can see now that we did wrong. We didn't think he'd done us so much harm. But look at her. She's maimed for life. <laughs> There, there, dear. Now, never you mind. The kind doctor will make you better again. Oh, I didn't ought to have told you this in front of her, sir. She gets that upset to hear it. She's never been the same child since. The fright I've killed her. Have you any idea who the man was? Uh, no, uh, not for certain. I never seen him myself. 
But they do say, sir, that it's him that done that murder a little while ago. That fellow, Edward Hyde. Oh, sir, can you help her? Yes. Yes, I'll help her. I'll make her well again. If it's the last thing that I ever do. signs of this lameness? Well, you see, Doctor, her hip was injured. She was in the hospital for ages, and when she came out, she had to walk on crutches. It wasn't for a good while afterwards that we began to notice that one leg seemed shorter than the other. Poor little Tess. It's not fair, is it? Never mind. We'll fix you up again. One day you'll be able to run around just like all the other children. Oh, will she really, sir? Oh, I think so. But it'll take time, and Tess will have to uh, have a lot of patience. Oh, she won't be any trouble to you, Doctor. She's not the least bit of bother. No, I'm sure she's not. Now, just you wait there a minute, and I'll call Dr. Lanyon in to let him have a look at this leg of yours and see what he thinks. Uh, Hugh, can you spare me a minute? Yes, coming. Uh, Tess, would you like to go to the country for a while and get really well and strong before we start fixing this old leg of yours up? The country? Oh, do you really mean it, sir? Of course I do. That's a place I know of where quite a lot of people go to get cured. It's the most beautiful place you can imagine. Big trees, gardens full of flowers, fresh cream and milk, and all the sunshine you could wish for. Ah, it sounds like heaven, sir. Well, it's not as far away as that. You'll just have to take a train, and in a few hours you'll be getting out at a little station, and then you'll find someone waiting to meet you. And you'll get into a little dog cart drawn by a fat horse called King. The groom might even let you hold the reins for a while as you drive along. Would he? I wouldn't be surprised. And, uh, by the by, you'll come to the big gates leading to the park. And after you've gone through, you'll see a fallow deer grazing on the grass. And all sorts of birds and little rabbits. Oh, mister, this ain't true. It's, it's just a fairy story you're telling me, isn't it? No, little Tess, it's true. As true as I'm going to make you well again if it takes me years to do so. Oh, here's Dr. Lanyon now. Sorry to keep you waiting. That's quite all right. Uh, come here and meet Tessie and her mother. Tessie had an accident. It's made her a little lame. Uh, now, Tess, walk across the room, would you, dear? Let Dr. Lanyon see the way you walk. Hmm. Contraction of the femur. What happened? Did you have a fall? No, sir. It was the way she was knocked about. Knocked about? What do you mean? A man knocked her down in the street and beat her and, and trampled on her. They say it was that Edward Hyde who'd done the murder a while ago. Edward Hyde? How do you know? Some of the neighbors seen him. And they say the description's just the same. Small and ugly and sort of deformed. You couldn't mistake him. Edward Hyde. 
Are we never to be free from this devil's work? Well, at least we can do what we can to set it right. We'll start with Tess, and then I'm going to try and find the other people who's been injured and do what I can for them. From what I can hear of him, we'll have a task beyond the power of one man. If one man can do the evil, surely another can undo it. At least let me try. Henry, um, don't you think we ought to call it a day? It's close on five o'clock, you know. Is it? I had no idea it was so late. I've just got one or two more cases to attend to, and then I'll be through. Don't overdo things. I won't. Uh, what are you doing tonight? Care to come and have dinner with me? I, uh, I won't tonight, if, if you don't mind. I'm, uh... <laughs> well, I'm taking Nancy out, as a matter of fact. Nancy? Well, that's a good idea. I think it is, too. So you found something to reward you for all the hard work you put it down here while I've been sick. She's a nice girl, isn't she? Nice? She's one of the nicest I've ever met. That's what I thought, right from the first time I met her. Well, I'll be hanged. And here have I been thinking you've been so self-sacrificing, coming down here day after day with never a murmur, and all the while this is what you've been up to. Well, if you will have such a pretty intelligent girl working in your dispensary... Asking for complications, isn't it? Well, I'm delighted. Go to it, old boy. I didn't think you had so much good sense. She won't hear of giving up her work here, so you'll have to take me into permanent partnership. Are you serious? Will you really come down here and work amongst these people? If you'll have me. Have you? Oh, I should say I would. I've had to turn hundreds away in the past because I couldn't attend to them. We'll do marvels down here together. It's a go, then. From now on, we double our practice... And double our responsibilities. (laughs) That's all you'll get out of it. There's no reward besides the satisfaction of having helped someone. The rest is hard work and a lot of worry. Oh, you're forgetting Nancy. Oh, yes, so I was. Uh, Well, I can see her waiting for you out there. Off you go. Give her my love, will you? I say, uh, isn't that asking just a little bit too much? With that romantic-looking head of snow-white hair, you're irresistible, you know. Clear out or I'll throw this dish of disinfectant over you. (laughs) All right, time you were going home, Doctor. Oh, hello, nurse. I didn't see you there. I was wondering where you'd got to. I was doing the last of the sterilizing. But we haven't finished for the day. What about that man and woman I noticed in the waiting room? Oh, neither of them was urgent. I told them to come back in the morning. You did, eh? And who are you, Nurse Peters, to go giving instructions in this clinic? If you can't tell when you've had enough, it's time someone else started to give orders. We've only just got you back again after nearly three months' illness. It's not going to happen a second time. Oh, it won't. (sighs) I promise you that. You know, if you insist on working 12 and 14 hours a day like you did before, it will. Don't look so severe. Anyhow, you've been neglecting me. What about my afternoon tea? Neglecting you? Didn't I have it ready at 4 o'clock and no one to drink it? 4 o'clock? What was I doing then? You got a call to go to Mrs. Prentice and off you went. Just got there in time, too. Why these women will leave everything to the last minute, I can't understand. What was it? Boy, weighed nearly eight pounds. How do they do it on the rotten food they eat? You might call in and see if she's all right if you're passing on your way home. She'll be all right. It's her fifth, isn't it? I've lost count. (laughs) She will have two in another few years. Well, what about tea? You want it now? Of course. (laughs) Don't you think I deserve it? If you got what you deserved, it would be more than a cup of tea, Doctor. Anyway, we'll start with that. 
Now, how about strawberry jam? Any left? I put it all away. Not a single jar has been touched since you've been ill. Suppose I had never come back. Would you have buried it with me? Oh, dear. But it's quite a good idea. The Chinese do, you know, to provide for the spirit world. But perhaps I wouldn't have gone to the place where food seems very important. I wish you wouldn't talk that way. Why? Oh, come on, Pete. I haven't seen you smile for hours. What's the matter with you? Aren't you glad to see me back again? I don't know why you tease me so. You know I'm glad. And just how glad. All right. I'm sorry. Well, take me into your little office and brew me some tea, and I'll sit in the old chair and let you fuss around me, just as though I'd never been away. And just as though you won't be getting up and leaving in a little while and going off to your friends and your big house, and I'll be going in the other direction, to my bare little room and a solitary meal on the end of a table. Pete, why do you do it? Do what? Stick to that sort of life. You could have something... So much better. What, for example? How about that chap who went to Canada? You still hear from him, don't you? I do. Well? Why don't I go out and marry him, you mean? Didn't I make that clear to you a long while ago? Oh, but that's just madness, Pete. I know it is. But what am I going to do? Would it be fair to marry him when I feel the way I do about you? You'll forget about me. Do you think so? <laughs> it's funny, isn't it, the way we're talking? You know, women aren't supposed to say these things to men. Oh? Why not? Oh, it isn't maidenly. I'm supposed to pine away in silence and end up with a hacking cough and, and a bunch of lilies on my chest. Oh, 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 I say. Oh, not you. You'll end up with a double chin and half a dozen children. Oh, how can you laugh at me? I know I'm plain and I know I'm scrawny and, and not the kind of woman you'd look at. But you needn't think I can't feel deeply for all that. Oh, Pete. Pete, my dear, I wasn't laughing at you. Can't you take a joke? It's just that I can't imagine you ever pining away. And it's just that you can't imagine me as anything but Peter's, the nurse. A mass of starched uniforms and smelling of antiseptic soap. If I had the clothes and background and all the rest of the things that Margaret Utterson has, I'd be just as good as her. I shouldn't have said that. Don't take any notice of me, Henry. Please forgive me. It's all right, Pete. I'm not cross. It's... It's... Just that it seems so unfair. She has everything. I haven't got a thing. I haven't even got any pride. Oh, Pete. What makes you say that? I throw myself at you. Tell you just exactly how I feel. I don't blame you if you despise me. Despise you? I'd never do that. I know the thing you give me is too precious and too good... Ever to be despised. It means a great deal to me, Pete, dear. Even, well, even though I do nothing about it. Well, there's a kettle boiling. I'll make the tea and then we'll get back to normal. You know, there's nothing like a cup of tea to restore one's sense of values. 
And there's nothing like a talk with you to restore mine. These half hours at the end of a hard day mean a lot to me, you know. Do they? Yes. Do they really? If I could only feel that I was necessary to you. You know, the one thing a woman can't stand up to is to feel that the man she loves can get on just as well without her. It sort of kills her deep inside. Then you needn't ever die that way, Pete. I don't think I could get on very well without you. And I'm going to need you a whole lot more in a little while. Now, pour me out that tea, and then I'll take you home. rather busy just at present. Who shall I tell him is called? Well, my name is John Fairley. I've called several times at his house and haven't been able to find him. That's why I came down here to the clinic. Well, if you'd care to come into my room and wait a while, I'll tell him you're here. If he'd just let me know when I could see him. Well, I, I believe I can hear him coming now. Oh, Peters, are you there? Yes, Doctor. I'd say we were... Why, well, uh, well, hello, John. Why, what are you doing here? I was wondering if I could see you sometime. Sorry to bother you down here, but there seemed no other way of finding you. Oh, that's all right. Uh, anything important? Yes, uh, it is, rather. Well, I have about ten minutes now. Uh, if that's any good to you, I, I'm not due at the hospital till two o'clock. Can we talk here? Oh, I think so. Uh, you don't mind if we borrow your little room for a while, do you? No, not at all. I'll close the door and see you Thanks, that will do fine. Well, now, John, what is it? Well, to be quite frank, it's about Margaret. I had an idea it was. What are you going to do about it, Jekyll? I know this might be called infernal cheek on my part, but it's far from being that. I know. Everyone understood that the marriage couldn't go on after that terrible business of Mr. Utterson and then your long illness. But that's all past now, and you don't even seem to want to talk about it. Margaret has told you this, I take it. I've had to wring it out of her. Don't think that she's been complaining, but I knew she was unhappy and I made her tell me. I'm not blaming her, John. I'm glad she's got someone she can take her troubles to. You are. Great heavens, Jekyll, what's the matter with you? Are you playing fast and loose with Margaret? You've been engaged to her for years now. Do you intend to marry her or not? Sit down, old man. Let us talk this over quietly. I know how you feel about Margaret, and I'm not going to feel resentful, no matter what you say, but it's very important that you shouldn't feel bad about me. I can't understand you, and that's the plain truth. Margaret's the most lovely girl in the world. I, I'd give my very life to be in your place. And you don't seem to want her. Uh, what makes you think that, John? 
There's not the slightest reason in the world now why you shouldn't marry her. But every time she talks about it, you you evade her and talk about something else. Don't you love her anymore? Might it not be that I love her too much to marry her? What do you mean? Things sometimes happen in men's lives that debar them forever from the right to marry. If they have a spark of decency in their makeup. What? You? Oh, it's a... Uh, it's not any petty little aftermath of a bygone sin. This is something that I simply couldn't begin to tell you about. It's beyond the scope of any ordinary experience. And then if that's the case, what are you going to do? Will this thing pass in time? I don't know. And you're going to keep Margaret in this state of uncertainty till you do find out? No, I'm not going to do that, John. Don't you understand that you're ruining all her chances of finding happiness somewhere else by, by holding her to her promise to you? Yes. Yes, I understand. I deserve all your approaches, John. You did quite right to come and talk to me about it. I'll set her free. Don't do it if it's not absolutely necessary. I love her enough to be able to realize that no one will ever be the same to her as you. Any other man will merely be a sort of substitute for you. I hope not, John. With all my heart, I hope that she'll come to care for you as I know you deserve. If patience and understanding on my part can do it, she will. Then I promise you I'll not stand in your way any longer. She's very precious to me, John. There's no one I know of that I'd sooner trust her to than you. You know, when I came here, I felt I wanted to knock you down. Now I feel I want to take your hand and thank you. Though I don't know why. Then we're going to be friends, are we? As far as I'm concerned, we are. Then take my hand, but forget about the thanks. If you can make her happy, I'll be more deeply in your debt than you can ever imagine. And now I, I think I'll go. I've got a big operation to perform. I'd like a little time to get a grip on myself again. This, this conversation hasn't been easy, you know. Yes, I know. I'm sorry. Well, goodbye. And goodbye. going to take me down to your clinic again? Don't you think you've had enough of sick people for a while? You nursed me for several weeks, you know. And see what a good job I made of it. You're almost as well as you ever were. Uh, you're a born nurse, Margaret, and no mistake. As a rich man's wife, your greatest talent will be lost. Why should it be? I'll also be the wife of a doctor, don't forget. Henry, what's the matter? Why do you turn away like that? Give me your hand, darling. Let's lean over the edge of this bridge and watch the water trickle over the rocks. You're evading me. You always do whenever I speak of our marriage. Henry, you've got to be honest with me. I... I can't stand this much longer. Dearest, I brought you out into the country today so that we could have a good long talk. It's so perfect out here. I hope the beauty around us would help. Help? Why are we in need of help? I've got to hurt you very much, I'm afraid. No. Oh, don't draw away from me. 
Give me your hand again, please. Oh, what's the matter with you? Why are you so strange? You've never been the same since your illness. You haven't thought that I've loved you any less, have you? No, not that. Something else, some underlying strangeness that I haven't been able to get at. What is it, Henry? Can't you tell me? I brought you here to try. I want you to know, dear, that I've never loved you so much in all my life as I do now. And I say what I'm going to say because of that. You don't have to tell me. I know. What do you know, my sweet? You... You're going to say you aren't going to marry me at all. Oh, why don't you ask me? Why don't you tell me I'm wrong? It can't be true. I have no choice. What do you mean? There are certain things that put a man beyond the pale of decent society. They're nameless things, crimes and horrors of the night. I have committed them. No. No. It's not true. Not you. Hold fast to me while I tell you, sweet. Your father told you certain things about me. Put them forward as reasons why you shouldn't marry me. I never believed them. Never. But you should have. He was right. Only he didn't know the full, hideous truth. Oh, what is this you're saying? Henry, it's because you're still not better of your illness. You used to have the most terrible delusions then, imagining you were committing the most frightful crimes. This was only part of it. I wish to God it were. Oh, no, my darling. I'm sane. And in my right mind. And I know that everything I say to you is less than the truth. But when? How? Where did you do these things? Oh, don't ask me for details. I can't tell you. You must never know the full extent of my degradation. But I can't just be put off with him. I'm a grown woman now. This... This is too dreadful a thing to be accepted without facts. Do you remember what the old gypsy woman, Mother Hegarty, once told us long ago? I remember something. There's broken lives and broken hearts and a load of sorrow that will rest upon your soul to weigh it to the ground. Stop it. Stop it. She was an old crazy creature. What could she know? What indeed. And yet she saw into a future that has come to pass. Down to the very last degree. It hasn't. I remember something else. She said there was the gallows sign in your hand. That hasn't come true. Supposing. Supposing I were to tell you that even that is true. Then I'd know that you're mad. Listen. There's a man named Edward Hyde. Don't speak of him. Oh, I must, because Hyde is the reason that I've got to say these things to you. If it were not for him, oh, well, what's the good of that? But what has Hyde got to do with you and me? Everything. Hyde and I. Everything that man did. Every hideous atrocity. Every crime he committed was shared in and connived at by me. You're not serious. You can't expect me to believe that. It's the truth. But, but it isn't possible. Hyde is one person, you another. 
How could you be responsible for what he did? I could have wiped him out of existence instead of which I set him free to do what he liked. How could you have done so? Was he so much under your influence? He was my creation. I had conjured him up out of the pit of hell where he belonged. Now I know you're not well. This is madness. It must seem like that. Very well, then. Let it go at that. But you wouldn't wish to marry a madman, would you, Margaret? I don't know what I wish. I don't want to marry anyone. Oh, you mustn't say that, dear. You mustn't say that. There's John, isn't there? You'd have me marry him? I think he could make you happy. Oh, how could you? Have you thought it all out? I've been thinking what's the best thing for you for a long time, dearest. Oh, Margaret, look at me. Look at my eyes and tell me. Do you see anything in them but love for you and pain at losing you? Oh, but why? Why? If I love you and you love me... What does it matter? I've committed almost every crime in the calendar, Margaret, my darling. But to take advantage of your love and innocence and loyalty is something that even I have not fallen low enough to do. Oh, let me hold you in my arms just once again. Let me kiss you. Feel your cheek against mine. Your tears. Your precious tears, my darling. Oh, let me drink your tears. Okay, folks, um, sorry about that. I left that sentence hanging a while ago, <laughs> uh, but uh, I was finished, and I should have just said I was finished, <laughs> and now we're ready for the, to make the sundae and the strawberry on top of the sundae. Ooh, yum, yum. This time, I'm going to make wall, black walnut ice cream. And I'm going to pour a coconut caramel topping on top of the ice cream. And then I'm going to put some um, some chopped up Reese bars on it. Yum. And then will be my strawberry and whipped cream. And... My strawberry for the day is uh, one that I like a lot. And uh, you guys that are really into old radio comedy, you'll appreciate it. It's Edgar Bergman and, or Ed, Edgar Bergen, I'm sorry, and Charlie McCarthy. And Charlie McCarthy, for those of you who don't know, um, 
he is the little dummy doll that uh, Edgar carries around. So, uh, you know, his, his show is uh, him and the little puppet that he has. Uh, he's a good ventriloquist, I think. <laughs> but um, I just think he's funny, and I hope you guys will too. So, here we go. Enjoy, and I'll be back. Anne Harding, Dorothy Lamour, W.C. Fields, Edgar Bergen, and Charlie McCarthy, Richard Rogers, and Lorenz Hart, Ray Middleton, Werner Jansen, Don Amici. This is the Chase and Sanborn Hour. <laughs> This is the Chase and Sanborn Hour, and this is Don Amici. Tonight, we welcome back to health and hardiness, W.C. Fields. In this, we are joined by Edgar Bergen and his famous dummy, Charlie McCarthy. Dorothy L'Amour, Hollywood's latest singing glamour girls. Dick Rogers and Larry Hart, two of America's leading composers, and Ray Middleton to sing Rogers and Hart's most striking composition, golden-haired Anne Harding, back from the London stage and her husband, Werner Jansen, America's foremost conductor, who interprets one of the hit tunes of the day, Too Marvelous for Words. From right to wrong, meet Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Ventriloquist Edgar Bergen brings his top-headed dummy, Charlie McCarthy, and speaks for both. But when Edgar speaks for Charlie, his own lips never move, and you'd swear that the words are coming out of Charlie's mouth. Since the first appearance on the Rudy Valley Hour just a few months ago, Edgar and Charlie have zoomed to the top of the heap in the field of comedy. So, Mr. Edgar Bergen, speak for yourself. Thank you, Don. That was very nice. Didn't you like it, Charlie? Well, uh, 
yes, no. Well, I still miss Rudy Valley. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Just not happy, that's all. Not happy in Hollywood? No. Mr. Bergen, my body may be in Hollywood, but my soul is still in Radio City. <laughs> well, after you've been here a while and met everybody, Charlie, you'll soon learn to like Hollywood. Uh-huh. Mr. Michi, how long have you been here? Oh, um, just about a year, I guess. Uh-huh. What do you do? Charlie. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, don't you know Charlie Don is in pictures? Oh, is he really? Yes. Ooh, fascinating work, that extra business, isn't it? <laughs> Don Amici's a star, remember? You saw him in One in a Million. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Of course, of course, yes. Which one was he? Well, <laughs> why, he was Sonia Henney's leading man. Oh, Sonia Henney. Swell skater, huh? <laughs> yes, Charlie, she's positively lovely. Yeah? Well, if you're so positive about it, you don't happen to know her phone number, do you? <laughs> you certainly overrate yourself, young man. Oh, I don't know about that. I did pretty well with the stewardess on the airplane coming out here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Such service. Served me lunch, and she talked to me, and she slapped my face. And, and you certainly deserved it, too, young man. Uh, yes, such conduct on the plane, it was shameful. What did I do that was wrong? What did I do? Name five things. <laughs> <laughs> In the first place, what in the world possessed you to go back there in the washroom and drop pop bottles out of the airplane? All that, all that, yes. I was playing bomber. Bomber. <laughs> and then you talked to the pilot. Yeah, but why, I don't know why they served us at lunch in those paper cups and those paper dishes. Well, that's to save weight. Oh, was that so? Yes. Every pound counts. Oh, that's it, yes. Mm-hmm. Is that why they made the hand towels so small, too? Oh, I didn't think the hand towels were so small. Well, they were so small, I was almost ashamed to put them in my suitcase. <laughs> well, now, uh, well, I'm really ashamed of you, Charlie. Are you ready? Yes, yes. Don't you ever stop to regret your actions? Oh, I'm too busy thinking what to do next. <laughs> anyway, we got here, didn't we? Yes. That's the important thing. Yes. Now, I suggested tomorrow we should visit the studios or go fishing. Oh, no. I'm sorry, but tomorrow I have to look for a house in the suburb. Oh, do you? Yes. And then, of course, comes the servant problem. Oh, do I understand. Well, if you get for a butler, remember, I'm trained. That's right. Yes, you rehearsed me, remember? To go as Rudy Valley's valley? That's right. <laughs> and if I remember correctly, you were a terrible mess at it. Oh, I wouldn't say that. I remember everything you told me. You do? Mm-hmm. I see. I'd be glad to help you out temporarily. Besides, I can use the cash. You... <laughs> well, I'm not sure that I can use you. Well, I'm sure I can use the cash. You... <laughs> well, I believe in letting a boy work for his money. Yes, you've proven that. Yes. <laughs> and I will consider you. Yeah. Yes. Remember, Charlie, always efficiency. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And always courtesy. Oh, definitely, my lord. Yes. yes. And the name will be Bertram. Good old Bertram. Yes. And all oh, and at no time must there be any insolence. Oh, vanish the fault, my lord. Oh. Yes. <laughs> and remember, Charlie, Thursday I rest. Yes, quite so. I see no visitors on Thursday. Oh, don't you? No. Thursday is my not-at-home day. Uh, your not-at-home day? That's right. Where do you go? I stay at home. Oh, you stay... Oh, oh that's marvelous. Marvelous. <laughs> a bit sneaky, eh, what? Yeah. <laughs> now the thing is, if someone comes to the door, what do you say? Uh, we don't need any. No, no. no. 
No, I mean, suppose a friend of mine, for example, suppose Lord Fittersby of England should come and call on me. Yeah? Yes. What do you say? Uh, is it Thursday? Yes, Thursday. Uh-oh. No go. No go. That's right. <laughs> I give him the bum's rush. No, 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 no. No, you must, you must give him the greatest courtesy. Is that so? Yes. That is where tact is required. Mm-hmm. Now, suppose I'm Lord Fittersby. Uh-huh. I'm calling to see Mr. Burgundy. Yeah, very good. Yes, all right. Now, you're the butler. Very good, my lord. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm at the door now. Uh-huh. Go ahead, knock. Yes, Lord. Uh, how do you know Lord Fittersby? Now, wait a minute. How do you know it's Lord Fittersby? Oh, you just told me. Oh, <laughs> You don't. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, knock again. First, you ask the name. That's right. Yes. Oh. Hello. Come in. Uh, what's your name, Lord Fittersby? No, no. no. <laughs> what's the name? That's better. Uh huh. Yes. My name is uh, Lord Fittersby. Very good, sir. Yes. I would like to see Mr. Bergen. I'm sorry, but it's Thursday. If you know what I mean. He's <laughs> <laughs> um, he's not in. He's not in. Well, well where is he? Uh, He's in and he's out. Uh, he's in and he's out. He's puffing about, as it were. Well, just what is he doing? Uh, at the moment, he's sleeping. Sleeping. Yes. Then he's not out. No, he's all in. He's all in. <laughs> and that's why he didn't go out. But if you think you're going to see him, you're out of luck. Yes. But I'm Lord Fittersby from the Isle of Wight. Is that so? Yes. Well, I suggest you wait until tomorrow. No. <laughs> Do I get the job? Well, not so fast. You see, now there's a questionnaire to fill out. Uh-huh. I don't know anything about your character. Well, I'm taking the same chances with you, you know. Yes, I know. Now, what about the salary? Oh, the salary. Yes, there is the salary, I hope. Yes. Yeah. Well, the salary, it will be a small starting salary. A small starting salary. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it will start. It will start. <laughs> It can limp along. Oh, yes. And could you say how small it would be? I'm awfully sorry, Charlie. I can't say how small it would be. Oh, they don't make money that small, huh? Oh, go away. Dorothy Lamour, Hollywood's newest star. Beautiful, versatile, glamorous. Yes, and in addition to that, she's not bad. She's not half bad, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Thank you, Charlie. You're very cute. You're kind of cute yourself. Now, considering that we're going to be working together, I think we ought to be good friends, don't you? Yes, Charlie, we all ought to be good friends, but... Uh... Now, don't cramp my style, I meet you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Miss Lamore. Yes, Charlie. Uh, would you like, uh, would you care, um, how about a lemonade or something? Now, 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 Charlie, please postpone your lemonade invitation till later, will you? All right. I bow to art, but I defer to Dorothy. Curtsy? Thank you, Charlie. <laughs> curtsy. As a result of one curtsy to another, Dorothy Lamour sings What Will I Tell My Heart. We played a game from the start 
Thank you, Don Amici. I want to welcome everyone in the United States and Canada to this new hour of radio entertainment sent to you by the makers of Chasen Sanborn Coffee. Chasen Sanborn Coffee is the superb blend that gives you more value for your money. More value in two ways. A richer, more satisfying flavor and a very reasonable price. Chasen Sanborn Dated Coffee is a blend of the world's choice coffees. And you get it at the peak of its marvelous flavor. For as soon as it's roasted, every pound is rushed to your grocer by the same rapid delivery system that brings him his Fleischmann's fresh yeast. The date of delivery is plainly marked on every bag. This system guarantees freshness and full flavor. It also makes high-priced containers needless. Instead, we pack this finer, fresher blend in an economical dated bag and give you the saving. Enjoy this superb blend and take advantage of the worthwhile cash saving. Buy a pound of Chase and Sanborn dated coffee from your grocer tomorrow. The Guardsman, one of the most brilliant plays ever presented by the Theater Guild. Tonight, to add sparkle to Ferent Molnar's clever lines, we give you Miss Anne Harding. It is a privilege to play opposite so great an actress and so lovely a person as Miss Harding. Thank you, Don Amicia.
The Guardsman, presenting Miss Anne Harding in the role of Marie, popular Viennese actress, and Donna Mitri as Tony, her equally popular actor husband, who fears he is losing her love. Tony decides to test Marie. Disguised as a Russian guardsman, he makes love to her. He confides his plan to their old friend, Dr. Bernard. And now we find Tony, dressed as the guardsman, alone in his own living room with Dr. Bernard. It's not so easy, Tony, to play a part and fool your own wife. Either I'm a good actor or I'm not. And if I can act for Moline for fame, why can't I do it to test the love of my own wife? Well, I must admit, the guardsman's uniform becomes you. Any woman would find it hard to resist you. But she has resisted me, Bernard. Once this afternoon, I was afraid she wouldn't. But to see her conquer her feeling for this guardsman, crush it, that means more than happiness, dear friend. That means peace of mind. Then she is true to you? There is no doubt of it. And a woman who can be true to her husband when I am the lover will be true always. But what did you do about Olmutz? Didn't you tell her you were playing three performances there? Oh, I sent a wire and called it off. But she thinks I'm there. I actually left for the train and rushed next door, put on this uniform, mustache, wig, and presented myself for tea. Prince Vasily Samsonov. You sound very convincing with that accent. Not for nothing, Bernard, did I want to visit Russia. <laughs> Dr. Bernard, you say he's all oh, that is nice of him. Bernard, what do you think of my conquest? Rather nice, isn't it? Well, what else can one expect when you are the lady? Oh, forgive me. This is Prince Vasily Samsonov, Prince, Dr. Bernard. I have been most correct in my behavior so far. And therefore, the presence of this doctor, uh, doctor... Uh, uh, Dr. Bernard. Dr. Bernard will not prevent me from saying before him as a witness that there is nothing I would not do, nothing I would not sacrifice if you... If I... You know what I would say. Oh, I know, I know, but I want to hear you say it. What do you want to hear? I want to hear the end of that long sentence. I want to hear you say you love me. Oh, great heavens. Bernard, he doesn't understand. Bernard, look at him. He's no beauty. But at last, at last, a man who has no ringing voice. A man who, thank heaven, is neither intelligent, nor brilliant, nor melancholy, nor sentimental. Bernard, this simple, honest, stupid... Come to he doesn't even know how to behave. But dear old friend, at last, after all these years, our man... Mm, yes, uh, but now with my congratulations, may I leave you? Oh, must you? I must. I really must. I only uh, stopped in to make sure that you were not too lonely. Uh, you'll forgive me, friend. But certainly. Friend, do you realize what life has done to us? I do not know what is happening to me. And you do not know what is happening to me. You should have known I would burn with a great flame once you set me alight. Now you're afraid. I am mad. My happiness has turned my head. I do love you. You do love me. I love you. I adore you. I worship you. Are you as happy as I am? I am unspeakably happy, and I am going to kiss you. (gasps) When shall I see you again? Tomorrow. Tomorrow at five. Tomorrow... Lisa, I shall want tea for two in glasses. Uh, Russian tea. Yes, ma'am. I'm not at home. I shan't be back all afternoon. Yes, ma'am. Of course, when the prince comes, Lisa, you'll let him in. Yes, ma'am. Oh, it's you, sir. What? All alone, my love. 
Oh. Oh, it's you, Tony. What brought you back so soon? What's that? I returned two whole days early, and all you have to say is, what's brought you back so soon? Well, all you your greetings? I'm interested to know why you played only one of your three performances in Olmutz. It's perfectly simple, my dear. This morning I received a telegram from her own theater saying that Krauss was ill and that they would put on Hamlet. You know perfectly well that when I play Hamlet, there isn't even standing room, so... Oh, naturally... I know, I know. Spare me the rest of the press notices. Well, in short, here I am with my sweet little wife. And, uh, what did you do with yourself all last evening? Mm, nothing. Oh, weren't you, uh, bored doing nothing? No. Nope. You, uh, didn't go anywhere? No. I, uh, thought you were going to the opera. <gasps> yes, how silly of me. Of course, I quite forgot. I did go. Yeah. Alone? Of course. No one was there with you? No one. Oh. If I tell you I was alone, I was alone. Oh, of course, but uh, uh, someone mentioned something about a soldier, a guardsman. Guardsman? Guardsman? What do you mean? You were in box number four, first tier. Oh, I see. You paid someone ten gulden to spy on me. Twenty gulden, possibly. Throwing your money away. Very well, that was where I sat. But you didn't exactly sit in the box. You spent the greater part of the evening in the anteroom with the guardsman. That is not true. Mrs. Spengler, the usher, says it is. Mrs. Spengler, the usher, is lying. All right, I'll send for her. Just a moment. Is this a joke? Oh, no, this is not a joke. And you really, seriously think that while you were away working for me, that I was entertaining soldiers, that I, who gave up her freedom, her whole life for your sake, that while you were away, I should be entertaining soldiers. Oh, for heaven's sakes, don't get so excited. How could you do that to me? Oh, my dear, this has really yeah, gone I the clip. I can't stand it any longer, no. I feel all is over between us. All is... Oh, Marie, Marie, now, now don't say such things. You know how madly I love you. But you suspect me. No, I, I do not suspect you. You believe lies about no, me? No, 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 I don't believe anything wrong about you. You're not saying that because you really believe, no. I'm going away, I must. Ma Marie, Marie, now, listen, you can't go, darling. What, what would I do without you? I, I should die. You really mean it from your very, very heart? That you don't believe those malicious lies? Of course I don't believe them, I swear it. You love and trust me? I love you and trust you. It was all lies and slander. It was all lies and slander. Oh, my darling. How I must love you to be able to forgive this. But I do forgive you. I shall love only you, darling, forever and ever. And you believe in me? I believe in you. Oh, please forgive me. I'm, I'm so, so in love with you that... Why are you crying? Oh, I can only tell you why I'm crying. Oh, now, 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 my sweet. Now, don't, don't cry anymore, please. Now, you rest while I go and change my clothes. Oh, oh if you men only understood your wives, you'd go away and leave me alone for a while. I'm so nervous after this dreadful scene. I'm a wreck. Very well, my love. To show you how considered I am of your nerves, I'll go. As soon as I change my clothes. Mm -hmm. Tony, what is taking you so long? I thought you were going out. I'm ready now. Precisely five o'clock. His Majesty himself could not be more punctual. <gasps> oh, good afternoon, Prince. I began to think you weren't coming. Really? What does all this mean? Are you trying out a part? 
Are you acting? No, darling. You're doing the acting. You're even in costume. Yes, I am. And I hope you realize why. And instead of begging my forgiveness, now that you're exposed, instead of realizing the moment has come when even your lies are of no avail, you were... You were... What does this mean? Doesn't this guardsman's costume make everything clear? Yes, dear. Well, then what are you doing? What am I doing? I'm going on with our little comedy from where we left off last night. Comedy I've been playing for your sake since yesterday afternoon. If you wish, we can keep it up, but I really think we've had enough of it by now. You mean... You mean you've been acting ever since yesterday afternoon? Of course I've been acting. Did you think for a moment that you could fool me, your own wife, just by dressing up in that ridiculous costume and putting on all the absurd whiskers? What? I knew you all the time. I don't believe it. But why not? You trust yourself to play a difficult part well enough to deceive even me, and yet you don't think I can play a much easier one, though my acting ability is fully equal to yours. Oh, now, we... there possibly? Now, let's not go into that. We are not discussing my act. Oh, but we are. If you can play the guardsman well enough to fool me, why couldn't I play the woman who believed in the guardsman well enough to fool you? Because I simply could not be recognized, whatever you may say. Oh, you couldn't disguise your kiss. It was so entirely your own. It's impossible not to recognize it. Yes, I was afraid you recognized my kiss. Mm, and then your eyes. What was it I told you the day that you first told me you loved me? What was it I told you about your eyes? That the look in my oh, eyes... That sweet, warm, sad look. That betrayed me. Yes. You're looking at me like that now. Well, I don't want to. Oh, but you are. And I am to believe that you recognize me the very first minute. The very first minute. Well, then why didn't you tell me from the beginning? Because I wanted you to play the comedy out to the end. I didn't think you'd have the courage to go through with it. Uh-huh. Then you do love me. <laughs> You'll never put me to the test again. Never again. <laughs> and you love me? Oh, I am so in love with you, darling. Oh. Why are you crying now? Oh, I could only tell you why I'm crying. <laughs> Miss Harding and myself, thank you. The Chase and Sanborn Hour with W.C. Fields, Rogers and Hart, Ray Middleton, Dorothy L'Amour, Werner Jansen, Edgar Bergen, and Charlie McCarthy continues in just a moment. You know, Mr. Bergen? Yes? I've always wondered why they ring those bells. Well, have you? Yeah. You You don't suppose it's to wake up the people, do you? (laughs) Well, I see you're back, Charlie. Yes, indeed, Mr. Amici. Yes, indeed. I go, but I return. Yes, that's inevitable. The Chase and Sanborn Hour continues. Two of the loveliest melodies Jerome Kern has ever written are The Way You Look Tonight and Our Song, Werner Jansen and the Orchestra.
I have the very great pleasure now of welcoming back to good health and in the last circulation our friend W.C. Fields, who makes his first appearance in the serious illness which kept him off the stage and out of pictures for over a year. And now he returns fully recovered to say hello, W.C. Fields. Mr. Fields, I'm sure you'll feel at home because here's your old Follies piano player, Werner Jansen. Hi, hi, Jackson. <laughs> I've known Werner Jackson for quite a spell. Uh, Mr. Fields, the name is Jansen, oh. Werner Jansen. Oh, yeah, that's right, Jansen. Yeah. Hi, Werner. <laughs> Cute little fellow, isn't he? Well, uh, uh, how's everything? Uh, uh, Mr. Fields, that, that's Charlie McCarthy. Oh, yeah, so it is. Honey, <laughs> Hi, Charlie. Uh, how do you do, Mr. Fields? How do you do? put on quite a little weight since I saw him last <laughs> <laughs> Now, Mr. Fields, listen. Will, will you tell us about the accident that started your illness? Oh, yes, yeah, half a tick. You are Mr. Bergen, aren't you? No, 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 Mr. Fields. That's Miss Harding. Oh, yes, I see. Yes, I know Miss Harding very well. How's your partner, Miss Laurel? <laughs> No, 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 Mr. Fields. You're confused with Laurel and Hardy. Oh, yeah, how silly of me. I beg your pardon, Mr. Laurel. Now, uh... <laughs> Mr. Fields, listen. Everybody is impatiently waiting to hear about your recovery. Now, now, if you'll kindly... Yes, 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 certainly. Excuse me. Excuse me, Mr. Bergen. No, no, no. I, I'm Don Amici, remember? Oh, yes, yes. Remind me to ask the dummy a few questions after I said hello to the phone. <laughs> yeah... There. How old is Charlie McCarthy? He's 12 years old. 12 years old. How interesting. How wonder the little lipper will sing me a song. Yeah, I will if you give me $10. $10, eh? He's more than 12. <laughs> well, <laughs> he's really older than he looks, you see. He was hewn out of an old oak tree. Uh, his face looks as though it's hewn out of a piece of sassafras root. Oh, is that so, huh? Well, if they had to cut your face out of a piece of wood, they'd have to use redwood for a nose. <laughs> and an ample bit of it, too, I might say. Uh, you do, eh? Charlie, Charlie. All right, Mr. Fields. Now about that serious illness of yours. Oh, yes, of course. I was pretty redwood for a nose. <laughs> He's a pretty fresh little punk, isn't he? Redwood for a nose. You're full of termites. Uh, uh, the guy is drunk. <laughs> Take him away. Draw his fly. <laughs> Yeah, I may be drunk, but I'll be sober tomorrow, and you'll still be full of termites. I'm glad to see you looking so well, W.C. Uh, you, don't, you don't mind if I call you W.C., do you? Oh, uh, no, I guess not. Oh, it's a bit confusing, though. In Europe, royally always referred to me as the W.C. <laughs> You know, John Amici, I could call you D.A., but the folks would think I was in trouble again. 
You know, from the reports I got, you surely have had your share of trouble. They said you were at death's door. Yes, I was. Yes, I was. Well, uh, what did the doctors do? Oh, they did everything in their power to pull me through. <laughs> Fine lot of boys, those medicals. Redwood for no. <laughs> He's only 12, eh? What's he wearing a wig for? Now, now look, look, W.C., I, I know you were very ill, but w- what, I, what I'd like to get at is... Just what really was the main trouble? I had a very stubborn case of pernicious dandruff. Pernicious dandruff? Yeah. Well, I- isn't it a fact that you broke your neck? Oh, yes. I forgot all about that. <laughs> I heard you were run mind. over by an automobile. And yeah. The... Can you imagine that little rat pulling that track? If they were cowboys, they out a red one. Yeah. He was double... redwood for a nose. Now, W.C., please, please. How, how did you come to break your neck? I didn't come to break my neck. I came to ride a bicycle. <laughs> I should have uh, stuck to my velocipede. You were riding a bicycle and... Uh... A paramount truck loaded with props. Now, please, please don't mention any names. Just say a truck. Oh, yeah, but it was a paramount truck. <laughs> yes, I know, but this is a Chase and Sanborn program. Well, I could say it was a Chase and Sanborn truck. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> fine. Now, now go on. Uh, but if you want to know the truth, it really was a paramount truck. <laughs> I'm sorry I mentioned it. Now, go on. Well, anyway, a truck. Yeah, a truck. Owned by Paramount. <laughs> please, Mr. Fields, will you please go well, on? Look, you keep interfering all the time. A Paramount truck backed over me and broke my neck. Could I say a Paramount truck loaded with Chase and Sanborn coffee? <laughs> Would that be all right? Can you imagine that little rat Redwood for a nose? <laughs> Now, I didn't like that ample bit of it, too. Wonder how I'd like to have my nose filled with nickels. Wouldn't mind that, would he? Now, Mr. Fields, you've told us the truck ran over you and you broke your neck. Now, please, forget all about Charlie. What, what happened next? Well, they took me to a hospital. You were in the hospital for quite a siege, weren't you? Ten weeks. Of course, you had a pretty nurse. One I had had false teeth and a glass eye. But I suppose you would say she was pretty. <laughs> and she was gentle as a mountain lion. <laughs> and she weighed as much as a paramount truck. Quiet, quiet, quiet. Don't say it. See, I, you didn't wait. Hey, I filled with Chase and Sanborn coffee. <laughs> All right. Well, what was the doctor's exact diagnosis of your ailment? Just a broken neck? No, the croaker said I had mogo on the gogogo. <laughs> or what is known to medical science as Ralph and Aldo. Yeah. Well, what does that all add up to in English? A broken neck coupled, coupled with a very stubborn case of pernicious standrop. Yeah. When you got home, something else happened, didn't it? I was ingurgitating an invigorating stimulant that I call red milk. <laughs> And I slipped down a flight of stairs. Yeah, well, what was the breakage in that nonstop flight? I fractured the southernmost portion of my spinal column. And to my great dismay, I discovered I'd spill half of the tasty nectar. <laughs> Can you imagine that little rat? Redwood for a nose? Don't let him get away, will you? Hold him. Yeah, now, after, after your three-point landing, what, what did they do? Oh, they refilled my glass, and off we went to the hospital. Yeah. 
Clang, clang, clang. Uh, W.C. What is this sound I hear? Wait a minute, wait a minute. The ambulance is coming. The sirens ringing. W.C., now wait wait until you see... the pretty nurses laugh and dance W.C., wait a minute. Whilst the breathing turns. Wait a minute, just... Bring the stretchers out. W.C., now wait a minute. Doctors brandishing their sharp knives. W.C., will you wait a minute, please? Say, I wrote most of that myself. It's pretty good. <laughs> where were we? I don't know where you are, but there I was in my same beloved cot back in the hospital. Yeah, you uh, weren't out of the hospital long, were you? Just long enough to drink my lunch. <laughs> and then... And then... Uh, Redwood for her nose. I'll take baby Leroy in preference to him any time. And he's no bargain. Oh, come. Come on, Mr. Fields. Forgive and forget. Uh, I seem to recall that in Poppy, you had yourself another accident. Yes, whilst cavorting in Poppy, I was again compelled to venture on a high bicycle. I instructed the boys to catch me in case I fell off. And did they catch you? Yes, on the first bounce. <laughs> Clang, 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 what is this sound I hear? The ambulance is coming. So you were off to the hospital for another ten weeks, huh? Yes, and this time I enjoyed my convalescence, having a nervous breakdown. For ten weeks? Uh, no. The run was curtailed on account of my developing low bar pneumonia. They put me in an oxygen tent. I thought I was camping. But what do you mean? After I played three weeks of Fields the Campfire Girl, I returned to play out my open two weeks of nervous breakdown. And what next? A full tendon, broken left foot, Paget's disease, double vision, infected toe, more nervous breakdown. They came so fast and furious it was difficult to distinguish them from perfect health. <laughs> I had Miffinchip and Buffendill. What? Oh, don't ask me what they are. And a slip sacroiliac. A, a slip what? Sacroiliac. S-A-C-R-O hyphen. Uh, you're on your own from there on. Well, the, uh, the doctors cured you of everything, didn't they? Yes, everything but that stubborn case of pernicious dander. It was ferocious, Ratty. Clang, 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 clang. Thank you, thank you very, very much. In the picture 50 Roads to Town, Ann Southern and I did a little song that's been haunting me. And they say the best way to get a haunting song out of your dreams is to sing it at people. So I'm singing this one at you. Never in a million years could there be another you. I would shed a million tears if ever we were through. Never in a million moons Could you ever be surpassed And darling, for a million June This love of ours will last There would be no world for me 
If ever we would part Where I go your name will be Right on the tip of my heart For only once in every lifetime Someone just like you appears Is there any greater glory Any greater thrill No, never in a million I must ask you to remember that this is the Chase and Sanborn Hour, and the boss is not Rudy Valley. It's Don Amici. Ah, who did he ever lick? Well, I'm getting into shape right now, Charlie, and here's my trainer, John Heaston. Thank you, Don Amici. Here's some information that can be of value to you on exactly 21 occasions this coming week. The 21 occasions are the 21 meals you'll have before next Sunday at this same time. Three meals a day, seven days a week. And every one of those 21 meals will be more enjoyable... If the coffee you have with it is rich and satisfying and delicious. Millions of people are enjoying that sort of coffee. Chase and Sanborn coffee. And please remember, this superb blend is very reasonable in price. So it's actually an economy to serve this finer coffee. Chase and Sanborn dated coffee is a blend of the world's choice coffees. Guaranteed fresh by our unique dating and rapid delivery system. Besides assuring freshness... 
This system does away with any need for high-priced containers. So we can pack this finer, fresher coffee in an economical, dated paper bag and pass on our savings to you. That's why you can enjoy this rich, high-quality coffee at such a reasonable price. Try this superb blend and enjoy the cash saving it gives you. Buy a pound of Chase and Sanborn dated coffee from your grocer tomorrow. My Heart Stood Still is just one of the many great songs written by Dick Rogers and Larry Hart. Ever since the first Gary Gaieties down to their latest Broadway hit, Babes in Arms, there's been a pungent freshness in everything they write. Their most novel musical work is a stirring All Points West. Currently, they're writing the new Mervyn Leroy production starring Fernand Grave and Ethel Merman. Uh, say, Larry, which comes first in writing a song, the words or the music? Well, Dick, how do we usually answer that question? It can happen either way. And it usually happens neither way. We usually start with a title. Title with an idea. Then I write a tune to it. I write a lyric to the tune. And there we are. Yeah, well, there you are, but where am I? We're still trying to find out which came first, the chicken or the egg. Well, maybe you'd better ask a couple of other roosters. <laughs> now, about all points west, whose idea was that? Well, a fellow named Paul Whiteman was holding a modern music concert, which he combined his orchestra with the Philadelphia Symphony. And he's putting on a series of musical stunts. Take it away, Dick. And so he asked us to do something special for his concert. I racked my brain. Larry racked his brain. You see, Don, it's just a racket. Yeah. <laughs> we tried to get the most characteristic American sound. We settled on a train announcer. From this idea came All Points West. A combination tone-poem, oratorio, and one-act play. Sometimes it sings. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it rhymes. Sometimes it doesn't. And uh, how did you discover Ray Middleton to sing it? Oh, we can't take credit for that. No, Ray was suggested. We showed him the manuscript. He proceeded to read it and sing it off as if he'd rehearsed it a thousand times. And if you know all points west, that's almost a miracle. And we're delighted he's doing it tonight. And so are we. Ray Middleton in All Points West by Rogers and Hart. Track 33 at 11.27, the Great Lakes Express bound for Albany, Syracuse, Rochester, Buffalo, Erie, Cleveland, Toledo, Detroit, Kalamazoo, and all points west. Clear enough, ain't it? Don't stand too near the mic. That's the secret. Remember when we used to come to megaphones? Had to yell our lungs out. Now it's easy. See that salesman with his sample cases and his wife. She's kissing him goodbye. A long, long trip. She's whispering in his ear. He promises. Oh, yes, he'll be true. Oh, yes, he'll be true. Ha, <laughs> ha. So salesmen get around. It must be marvelous. Home is where your satchel is, and turn on the train, turn on the train. I never get in a... There's a mother saying goodbye to her boy. Go west, young man. She's crying. They always cry. You'll be going to get a job out there. They say there's lots of jobs for any young man out west. I ain't so young anymore, but I'd love to go where the breeze smells fine from the sage and pine, and the sun turns dark into gold, I 
have heard when you ride on the prairie so wide, you forget that a man can roll. For the Rockies rise to the sunburn skies, and the world opens up like a fire. But for me, there is dust, there is dust, there is dust. While you go with young man, while you go with young man. Look at those doughboys. You ask where those rookies are going? Plattsburgh, where the camp is. That's where they train. They line them up each morning, and boy, they got to shine. Each button must be buttoned before they get in line. The drama starts in running, the bugle starts to blare. With uniforms are gleaming, and roses in the air, and roses in the at night the deer and smoking and maybe shooting crap. They sit together joking until it's time for taps. Number 42 for Boston? Yes, miss. Leaves right away on track seven. College girls. Eight of them. Ain't they pretty? Finishing school, they call it. They used to call them flappers. Now they're dead. How young they are. How sweet they are. How clean. Buffalo, Niagara Falls, and all points west. Look at that guy. No honeymoon for him. 
poor guy. He's handcuffed to a cop. Yep, a burglar. Maybe a killer. No Niagara Falls for him. He'll get as far as Ossini. Up the river. Maybe for keeps. How mad he looks. What's he mad about? At least he's going somewhere. There's a honeymoon couple with all their friends and relations. Rice they're throwing in old shoes. Hands to hold and sights to see. They've got no broke away. Look at the cops. They got him. No, they didn't. Oh, I hope he makes it. Look out. Look out. There's a cop behind that post. He's got his feet. He got away. Hurry, hurry. Cops got his gun out. Don't shoot. Don't shoot, you fool. You'll hit someone. Why me? Here. Here. I'm going. Going on track seven at twelve. Oh, sights to see. To see. To go. I'm going somewhere now. Oh, I leave at last on a train that passed and the whistle is starting to blow. Now the track is out here and the chief must be an au revoir. And I'm saying it now for our guests, Ann Harding and Rogers and Hart. For Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy. I'll be back next Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Charlie. And so will W.C. Fields. Redwood for a no. Clang, clang, clang. What is this sound? <laughs> thank you, W.C. Thank you. 
And in addition, next Sunday, the Chase and Sanborn Hour will bring you Joseph Bentonelli and Carol Lombard. Not Carol Lombard. I wonder if she'd like a lemonade. Huh? <laughs> well, you'll certainly find out, Charlie, because she'll be here and so will the rest of us. And that means W.C. Fields, Dorothy Lamour, Werner Jansen, Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy, Joseph Bentonelli, Carol Lombard, and yours sincerely, Don Amici. Until next Sunday at the same time, au revoir. on this program were Our Song from When You're in Love, The Way You Look Tonight from Swing Time, My Heart Stood Still from Connecticut Yankee, Beautiful Lady from Pink Lady, and The Big Show from Head Over Heels by Jerome Kern. Next Sunday at the same time, same station, Don Amici, newest 20th Century Fox star, will introduce another Chase and Sanborn Hour with W.C. Fields, Dorothy Lamour, Werner Jansen and the orchestra, Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy, Joseph Bentonelli, and Carol Lombard. Be sure you're listening next Sunday. And um, the Pepsi Mama has enjoyed being with you. And I guess I should say this is Pepsi Mama, a.k.a. Monica, for those of you who don't know. Uh, <laughs> and, and I was listening to part of this back. You know, guys, I know I'm Southern, but, you know, I sound like a rubber band. Twang, twang, twang. I get to listen to myself. <laughs> and, I, you know, I don't hear that when I'm talking, but when I... um when I'm recording and I play it back, Lord, it drives me nuts. <laughs> um, but it's time to shut it off for now. And uh, I'll be back next week with another installment. I think we've got one more big installment and then a short one. And uh, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde will uh, be finished you know, I had two different, I've heard two different, uh, versions of this, uh, on the radio. And I used to have, um, one that I liked better than this one. Well, in a way, I like this one better because there's actually, uh, men and women in it. Whereas the other one that I had, it was just one guy doing all the parts and he, did it well, but yeah, still, <laughs> you know, men playing women and women playing men, it just, it, it just didn't quite sound right. Well, I mean, I, it was just one man doing men and women. <laughs> and it just didn't, uh, well, I guess it's no different than our talking book readers who, uh, who narrate for us, but still, um, I was glad this version had, um, both men and women. So, I'm gonna shut shut up for now, and um, I'll get this going, and we'll be ready for next week. Bye bye, and everybody have a good week.